This episode is brought to you by the Project Manga Patreon, the best way for viewers to support the project and allow us a means to keep providing new and quality content to our subscribers. Go to patreon.com slash projectmanga and find out more about the perks we have available to patrons, including early access to all of our content and exclusive videos like behind-the-scenes footage and additional manga reviews. That's patreon.com slash projectmanga. All right, let's get into the episode. and welcome back to the Project Manga Podcast, where we cover Ayashimon, Sakamoto Days, Mission Yozakura Family, Jujutsu Kaisen, My Hero Academia, and One Piece, week to week. Back this week for Weekly Shonen Jump issue number 24, I'm Knox. And I'm Mello Yenis. And of course, before we get into the discussion tonight, we'd like you to take a look in our description section down below. That's going to be where you can follow us on all of our individual social media accounts like Twitter. Join our online communities like Discord. Uh, listen to the Project Manga podcast wherever you normally listen to your podcasts. And there's going to be ways to support what we do here by checking out our Patreon. Um, also, while you're down there, there's going to be timestamps so that you can conveniently navigate yourself throughout the video and skip the segments for the series that you're not yet caught up in. And uh, while you're down there, slap a like on the video and subscribe because we upload weekly and we're constantly talking about manga. But getting into the discussion tonight, Weekly Shonen Jump 24, starting with Ayashimon. Chapter 23, Extinguisher. How do we feel? <laughs> I really like this one because it we were kind of on the fence. We were like, we feel like it's a transformation. We weren't entirely sure. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about like how in most manga, cloning is like usually like a lesser strength copy than the original which is typically how they keep it being balanced right with copycat characters and stuff i thought it was really interesting that they made like yeah this is a full strength copy but extremely short time duration yes like uh like smash ball super smash bros mm -hmm. length duration where it's just like okay you need to like finish this fast yeah or you're gonna go full animorphs and you're gonna be stuck as a hawk you that know? was a cool compare that was a cool comparison oh my god and then the animorphs comparison holy shit yeah that's really good usually like like you were saying you have a clone technique and it is weaker for those reasons to keep it balanced but this is one where the clone isn't you know of the person casting the spell you know what I mean? Like, usually you get, like, a Naruto Shadow Clone Jutsu, or you get, like, a Meliodas Physical Clone through Lost Vein. But, like, this is, like, no, we... I'm making myself a clone of a completely different character. Not only is it a short lifespan, because it is a full, you know, uh, complete perfect clone, so it's a short lifespan, but also there's a, a psychological detriment if you stay inside of the form too long. So it just feels good all the way across the board and fresh. Yeah. I, I really liked it, and, like, it makes sense for Tamagawa, like, the way he fights. He never wants to fight even. He never wants to fight fair. He'd right. rather people, you know, lead lead people while being genteel all the time. But, like, you know, he's a vicious dude. Um, yeah, plus, to, to the point you just made, he doesn't really, um, you know, he likes to use other people to achieve his goals. You know what I mean? He is a mm -hmm. director. He is a, you know, manager. He is a you know, higher ranking official inside of an organization. So he has a bunch of subordinates that he's used to bossing around and getting all of his, 
um, goals accomplished for him through the means of other grunt workers, essentially. So it makes sense that he would have a yojutsu or an ability or whatever this is that would be, I'm borrowing the strength of someone else to accomplish my goals. So it all fits in with the character that we've gotten so far. Yeah, with how organizational he is. I like that because he's like, yeah, no, we dug up the whole thing. He lost to Dopo. He should be terrified of him. He's on the run, right? Like, that's why he's been laying low for so long. Has to be that he's scared of him. I love that it's just like, yes, I'm going to scare him. I'm going to use the full force of something that totally smoked him last time. Normal people would give up. Well, Maru is damaged. Okay, yeah. he's not a normal dude. He has been cracked, forced to be built different. You know, that kind of thing. Like, right. Uh, and we were talking last review about how, um, you know, this whole idea to use Akari Dopo as like a psychological weapon against Maruo to kind of dig into his insecurities and his trauma to give him a foe that he historically has been whooped by in an attempt to break his spirit. We were talking about how that's possible, what research he was doing on Maruo um, to, to kind of get the information that he needed to know to turn into Akari Dopo. And then we get the scene that talks about how he has, you know, secretaries, um, you know, and, and, and other kinds of subordinates that, um, you know, do things like tricking guards, nosing around. That's easier than taking candy from a baby to a kitsune. So we were talking about, like, how influential um, the, the, this organization is in regard to gathering intel and using, you know, tanuki and kitsune to transform into other people, to put ears on walls and get information mm -hmm. out anyone across the whole underworld so now we know that that's how he acquired this information about dopo because like we were saying last review underworld information probably sp spreads really quick with an organization like cory hotels in the mix so it's really cool to get that confirmation in this chapter absolutely and they even mention it they're like yeah dopo has been flashy he doesn't seem to like you know he's not a quiet dude they all say this on like page three yeah yeah, and I really like touching on the whole Naruto clone thing. I liked the pay part three, like the third panel. You were saying you were saying words right off at tricking guards nosing around. Mm -hmm. I like how it's just a log tied to a tree with a leaf on top of it, and I'm like, yeah, she out. Wait, what does that mean? Oh, uh, it means they got like they grabbed the secretary, right? But she already escaped. Oh, like, because like, of a substitution jutsu. Okay, mm -hmm. wait a minute. I see it now. It's real ninja shit. I didn't even notice that. I didn't even know what I was looking for or what I was looking at at all in that panel. But that and makes all I don't the think sense in the world. Tones men know either. They're they're probably look, like they stare at that log and they probably see like that secretary in her little hotel outfit, hotelier or outfit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's that's good. Yeah, that's a that's a good spot. I definitely did not notice that. <laughs> but it's cool though because the fight is tight because Maruo's like, "Hell yeah, I'm gassed up instead of psychologically broken. This is really exciting because this is the dude that whooped me last time. I just got some brand new training. I'm feeling like a badass right now. What better way to practice it than against a fucking Akari Dopo clone?" You know what I mean? I've been fucking Yeah. I've been on my firefighter shit, you know what I mean, for however long, and now I'm ready to, to actually put it to good use. So he's super excited about it, and that makes a lot of sense. And it looks like that shook Tamagawa and was like, wait a minute, no, this tactic usually works like right away. Didn't you just get scraped by this dude like fucking a week ago? Not even, you know what Best I mean? Like, man. Yeah, you should be shaking in your fucking boots right now, bro. What the fuck? So he's just like, nah, fuck it. We turning it up to a million and tries to get him with this crazy blast. And he just fucking punches through it. 
with this crazy like double page spread of him showing the fruits of that training and he's just mm -hmm. got it down it's like this attack is just like not effective at all which is really exciting to see and i thought it was going to be like all right well there goes your strategy steals off him in the splash page on 12 and then it's like yeah i'm tight now it ain't gonna work you know what i'm saying and then he's like fuck it puts the mask on dude and i'm like yes no way because we didn't get to see this from the true akari dopo so it's interesting that we're getting it through this situation with the clone but they did say you get to copy the entire you know slew of abilities of the person that you're of your, yeah the whole kit and caboodle of who you're copying so that's like really interesting that i don't think i've ever seen a um final form reveal you know or a, or a true form reveal in this way before where it's that like that wasn't the og yeah that wasn't the og it's like yeah like we were we knew that we were going to eventually see this from akari dopo but like to get it from tamagawa while he's you know disguised as akari dopo is like a completely new situation that i had not um considered and i don't think that i've ever seen it before it executed like this it's really cool there is this uh there's moment that i really liked in here there's two parts uh the one on 10 11 which is the double spread the way he's doing like his choreography against the flames mm -hmm. and like doing the smackdown it reminds me of saint Seiya. oh wow like i remember there was like saint Seiya where like he's going through like super speed right like he yeah. could like punch super fast and so they'd have like multiple forms of him in a row for one of their splashes Ooh. and they would do like the multiple like kata like poses and yeah. they have like that kind of like glittering you know motes of light in the background because Saint Seiya was all about like the lights in the foreground and background oh, sure. and, like shining gold cloth abilities <laughs> stuff, you know like it was yeah, kind I... of like less Michael Bay explosions oh man I haven't read uh Saint Seiya at all but our good buddy Kichi um has is a big Saint Seiya fan he's been telling me to read that for a couple months now because he just went through the whole series and some of the spreads that he would send into the group chats and shit looked so beautiful and they are kind of akin to what we're seeing here on on page 10 and 11 so that's a cool uh cool spot cool uh comparison oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder what is the the light explosions things like representing in this in this double page spread on 10 and 11 that's just like the, um, the, the the points of impact maybe where he's like those are his punches thrown in past tense ooh. um you know i was thinking of the suksma sarima right like mm -hmm. like because uh, you when you see like the the vision of his body and like all these little motes of light and he's like it's all tangled and so like the lights aren't connected it's all smushed up together and then like they still has like the lights and he has like the more untangled like the lines of light so i imagine sure. that like that is the essence that is like broken down like shorn away from like the concept of fire or like the cold blast wave mm -hmm. of like heat stealing fire that he's shot out to him Okay. And yeah. it's just energy, right? Like it's leftover dissipating energy as he is denying the concept, as they said. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. That was a really cool way to put it too, deny the concept. It's like, this is what this thing does. The punch you throw is going to, you know, put a fucking minus on that. You know what I mean? It's like take it you're you're now deleting the idea of what that spell was going to be. <laughs> well, it's actually like disbelief is really 
the re- like the bane of of uh, Ayashiman and yokai, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were talking about like, hey, you know, this is the modern age. We have lights. We're not afraid of the dark corners of the room. We're not afraid of the ceiling. Sorry, Ten. You're not going to scare people by popping out of the ceiling anymore. People aren't afraid of that thing. We no longer believe in you. And that's as good. Apathy to an idea is the same as denying the concept. Mm. So like, like Ayashiman... Uh, you know, Tamagawa is saying they are anxiety. They are fears made flesh. Um, the, I am despair manifest on the last page. He says that um, Ayashiman's merely a concept made real. So like by having, suspending your own disbelief in their existence or the effectiveness of their abilities literally destroys them. You have to believe in them for them to be effective. Nice. I love that. That was, that was very well said. Um, and then a small visual thing that I wanted to point out was on the bottom of page 14 and a little bit of page 13. Um, after Dopo Tamagawa clone gets smoked yeah. and he starts hitting his, like, it does like the badum, um, on page 13 where his heartbeat starts mm-hmm. to quicken. Yeah. He's to give like a visual life. indicator of him reaching his limit. Yeah. Yeah. Look at his eyes. He has massive bags on his eyes, not unlike a raccoon. A raccoon? Tanuki. Oh, a, a raccoon. raccoon. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, wait a minute, what was that? Did I miss that? <laughs> no, I'm just nope. dumb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, his eye bags remind me of a raccoon, which is what Tamagawa is like real form. So it's like a little bit of a peek. That's cool. Back. He's like, he's on the edge of being himself. Then he sees, like, the Cory Hotels. He stiffens his resolve. He's like, you know what? I gave my all for this, the belief that my people would have a home, that my kind would have a place to stay no matter what, and I'm right. willing to die for that. I'm allowing, to, like, truly give his all by letting his own personality be sucked up by the cloning transformation into Dopo. Yeah. And I was like, that's, like, ultimate sacrifice. You're a complete scumbag, but at least you're committed. Like, like, um... A respectable villain, right? so to speak. Right. And it creates an interesting situation, too, because we know that Mario has been having this, like, you know, little training arc inside of him and his and his teacher in the background while other plot developments were kind of being unraveled. And now we're seeing the fruits of that, and we're really hype. It's really exciting. He's super effective mm-hmm. against this fire. So now we are, you know, um, really excited that he's, like, you know, achieved this state, and we're hype about that. But then to instantly go, that's not enough to get the job done still, and Akari Dopo clone Tamagawa pulls out his own, you know, trump card up the sleeve, new advantage that kind of makes Maruo's fruits of his training seem like they're not enough, so it raises that tension back up, you know what I mean? But then also, there's a massive detriment inside of what Dopo Akari is doing to him, to his own self, you know what I mean? So it just keeps the uncertainty so high in what's going to happen next because it's like, well, <laughs> even Maruo coming fresh out of a training arc with new vigor and like new, you know, lease on life isn't enough to get him past the first, you know, character obstacle that he runs into, at least not instantly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, now what does he fucking do? He just kind of flexed what he learned in the last week or two and it wasn't enough. But then also, now we have this. We have to deal with the 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 psychological burden that Akari or that uh, Tamagawa is putting on himself with the Akari Dopo cloning. So now it's just like I have no idea how this is going to conclude at all, which is really important for Ayashimon because a lot of people were complaining about how his fighting style is played out 
or trite or whatever. It's like you're just going to punch everybody. You're going to punch through everyone like Saitama or Mashal. We've seen that a million times. You have to have more creative ways to resolve conflicts inside of a meathead punching machine main character like Maruo. And we can see that Yuji Kaku is considering all of that and clearly has plans for it because the uncertainty levels are really high inside of this conflict yeah. resolution or the potential conflict resolution that's going to be coming in the next chapter or two. So I'm loving the decision making and direction inside of Ayashimon so far. And I've been I've been loving it. Like like we've been saying, like every single time we have what could even be considered a complaint in Ayashimon, a chapter or two later, Yuji Kaku addresses it. Yeah, I think it's just more of like it's a newer series. Mm -hmm. Just give it time to cook. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. and it's like It's been cooking well like, in my opinion. I think it's well braised. Yeah. Uh, well braised. <laughs> well braised. Very, very well seasoned and experienced hand, a little salt. I love that. Um, uh, it's got a lot of flavors in there. And then, like, I really like the Hatorima, like, reveal. Like, his masked form is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So, like, so different than what I thought it was going to be. Like, I have no idea what this black water is. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know so, anything about what's going on right now, but I'm here for it, you know? <laughs> yeah, because he was talking, it's like, you know, Hatorima extinguishes flames in the night. It could be just the wind, but a human anxiety isn't easily assuaged. Assuaged. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, it's like, what extinguishes flame? And so water immediately comes to mind, and also, like, what consumes the light? Darkness. So, like, a combination of darkness and water. Dark water. Yeah. <laughs> Oil <So> attack. <laughs> ironically counterintuitive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, that's kind of the vibe I'm going, f like, that I'm picking up. Plus, Hattori Ma were, like, supposed to be, like, they would hang out in, like, the like Ishikawa prefecture spotted around mountains with like hot springs. So maybe the water is a reference to like that. And it's like n sort of like native environment sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then he says, you know, it's not fire. Now he's like, you know, he's perceiving it as a different concept, understanding that. Um, I mean, that last page, he looks like um, the kid from the ring. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's all fucked up, he's just like, yeah. you know, black water, you know, black tears, that kind of thing. Very yeah. horror movie. Um, and it he's could... talking about, like, despair yeah. being manifest. So I'm thinking that we touched on this, like, the previous episode of, of it, saying, like, what if it's a psychological attack? What if it's not real? Like, the, like Dopo's clones, flames were not real. It's like a, like a psychosomatic thing. What if this masked form is the psychological attack. Oh. It's not the attack. It's not physical. It is despair. It is, you know, extinguishing of hope and light. The Like, you know, the burning hope within the person, right? Yeah, talking yeah. About, like, the physical and the metaphysical are one thing for a Yashimon. So right. Like, okay. I'm thinking about it too now. Like, okay, so um, originally, you know, Akari Dopo is, is introduced with a technique that, like, steals heat or whatever and it but it shoots it out in a in a physical way that resembles fire but what it really is is just like the absence of heat or whatever the way that they kind of explained it um as but what if what if the putting on the mask kind of like ups it to where we have the line of dialogue you see now kid i am that which extinguishes light in the darkness so maybe his 
like base element that we assumed was just coldness or ice or the absence of heat or whatever what if it's just like literally just the extinguishing or the stealing aspect by itself you know what yeah. i mean like his his element is absence is the extinguishing or taking away of things in general and at base it's in the form of stealing heat with the mask on it's in the form of stealing like everything you know what i mean hope, like positivity. hope positive light in the darkness you know what i mean like like when when you look at it on a base level it's like oh you're stealing heat okay whatever i'll just put more clothes on like you can you can picture yeah. yourself kind of dealing with that you know in a couple of different ways but you take light away and now it's like okay well we can't do anything in the darkness well, that's I'm like the dark that's now. the scariest thing ever yeah you are despair manifest if you could take away and extinguish all of the things that ground us to a comfortable you know situation and you just take keep taking things away until we're left with nothing but darkness and anxiety like that sounds like despair to me so if his like core trait as an ayashimon is just to steal things or extinguish things and then it makes sense that you know at a base level it steals one thing at a higher level it steals everything yeah i feel like it's like um like a cold room right so if you have a candle and it generates heat mm -hmm. you know molecularly that heat is immediately leached and dissipated by the colder surrounding areas right and so it's just this yawning empty coldness that absorbs all heat leeches all heat away from it and i feel like that's what dopo's ability is based off of in general except for it's just like sped up you know sure um it's forcing the issue when he uses his abilities Yes. Um, so I wonder, like, what effect this black splash of dark water had on Maruo? Like, what kind? Like, in what way was he damaged? Because he looks like spent. He's like, "Holy shit, I'm cooked!" And then he like falls over, and like seems to lose consciousness or die or whatever. Yeah. Probably not die, obviously. Even but, like, Urara, like, yeah, Urara is like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> yeah, that like hurt. that was crazy. Yeah. So it's like I we wonder. Bonded, that hurt. Yeah, oh. yeah. I wonder I wonder just what kind of damage he did to Maruo. And I also wonder like what Maruo can do to deal with this. Like I know he's not out. I know that's not enough to to, to defeat Maruo outright. But like I I have no idea like what answer he could possibly have for it, at least based on the history of the story so far. Obviously, Yujikaku yeah. can just hit us with new information in the next chapter about some area of his training that we didn't get on screen similar to page uh page fucking seven when buddy was like punch the flame deny the concept of it to destroy it it's like i don't remember that panel i don't remember that line of dialogue inside of the training chapters that we got a couple weeks ago you know what i mean so yeah. that's that's new that's a new you know line of dialogue that's like a new um it's showing a scene that was off camera during his training so like we could just get more of those you know what i mean like that's that's normal like we see that all the time in shonen manga when whenever someone is coming out of a training situation the manga could didn't show the entire training um mm -hmm. you know from start to finish so you get it in flashbacks in new conflicts you know what i mean whenever the main character has to go up against a new enemy that seems to you know have it where the main character doesn't boom you get a flashback to the part of his training that showed him how to deal with that obstacle and then boom you know they come out we see that in one piece all the time etc cetera, etc cetera. so like that's not a new situation so we could get that in the next chapter where we're just getting more of those off-screen conversations with his teacher that show how to deal with this situation but other than yeah. that it's like i have no 
way to guess what happened to Maruo or how he can deal with it. And I'm also curious as to like what this means for <laughs> the story. Because it's like we already have an Akari Dopo that exists. And we can assume that Corey Hotel's dude sacrificed his, you know, sense of self for the sake of this fight. And at the end of this, is he just going to be another Akari Dopo? Now we have two Akari Dopos to deal with. That's going to get awkward inside of the storytelling. So now that makes me think that the real Akari Dopo is going to pull up and intervene in some kind of way or snuff out the clone. Because it's like, if he can't go back to Tamigawa because he sacrificed himself for the sake of this fight, yeah. then I feel, like, I feel like the real Akari Dopo has to come in and just murder him. <laughs> this is a one Dopo kind of town. Yeah, if Maruo can't just do it himself next chapter for one reason or another. Um, but Let's see. I think there's a couple options. Like, yeah. So if he does like the snuffing of things and like kind of drains Maruo mentally and physically by you know his big blast of yeah. despair, Urara does have a telepathic connection that does connect to like the mind of the spirit of of Maruo. Mm -hmm. So what if she you know does kind of a little bit of like that shonen trait of like cheering on to help you know, revive them and help them go past their limits. But it's more like um like when a lighter is out and it like you can't quite you spark it, you spark it, you spark it and it doesn't really go. But you yeah. take another lighter and you light it yes. and then spark it. It has now a little bit of light and help rekindle that. Yes. I imagine they might use like their telepathic like communication to do something similar to like help kickstart his brain and then the rest of his body will follow. Sure. Um, I like that that's too. That's a really cool analogy with the lighters and shit. Because I've definitely been there. It's like, oop, the lighter's not going. But hold down the fucking, you know, uh, lighter fluid, you know, engager button on the lighter so that it's shooting out the shit. And then use another fucking lighter to get the flame going. I've definitely done that. <laughs> yeah. So I, that, that, that painted the visual perfectly for the analogy. And I've left a lot of lighters out in the rain. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I've done that a couple times. Um... So I think there could be something like that. And they still have those uh, those priests that are doing, like, the ceiling thing. That's right. So, they're like, on, they are still on a time limit here. So if Dopo, like, this new, like, the, the Dopoganger... Uh, Dopoganger! So if the Dopoganger goes berserk, and, like, he, like, Akari Dopo doesn't give a fuck about Cory Hotels. So... If Cory Hotels is becomes a target, then Gyobo Donuki would have to step in because he's missing the manager to do that thing for him. Would he seal the Dopoganger and then requ request, you know, these guys, the, the priests, to seal instead of kill the, 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 the consumed Tamagawa? Oh, wow. And, like, and Gyobo Donuki is, like, super tough. So, yeah. like... If he's inside his nutsack, then maybe he can't, like, burn despair his way through. Yeah. Hmm. Because, it, you know, this, like, we've learned that Tamagawa was willing to do this for the dream of, like, protecting the place that these people can stay. And Gyobo Danuki worked really hard to find a place in the human world where Kitsune and Tanuki could live. Right. And no matter who threatens it, that's their target. And so even though it's one of their own, they will, you know, step in, do what needs to be done. Right. I think they'll be, like, sad about it, and so they won't, like, kill him, but sealing him 
seems very in keeping what they do and it's already you know it's an option it's yeah. a thing that's actively going they'll just double their fee or something I don't right know. and i guess i'm like wondering like okay so like in the situation that we were talking about a moment ago about akari the real akari dopo actually pulling up to this situation to do something to tamagawa i'm sitting here going like why would he pull up because like what would be the reason that he would have to come to the hotel right now and stumble upon mm -hmm. this situation you know what i mean like that would be like really weird and convenient if there wasn't um you know, a proper cohesive explanation as to why Akari Dopo is here mm -hmm. at this perfect moment to deal with this. So maybe Akari Dopo doesn't actually pull up because I can't see a reason that would put him here right now in this moment, but I don't know. I think with the real Akari, he's got bigger fish to fry. Right, he's I, in charge yeah. of the Enma Syndicate. Like, he's doing all types of shit. He's doing Gilbo Danuki kind of stuff, you yeah. know? He's got people for that. Um, oh man, maybe maybe like Marwa will start beating his ass next chapter, and maybe someone will just like call Akari Dopo and be like, "Yo, our manager's about to lose. Like Tamagawa's about to lose. Like I don't want to see that. Like Maruo's beating him. Like there's only one other person that could probably actually get the job done. So we might as well just call Dopo and just like mm. like fuck all of our previous motivations. We don't want to lose Tamagawa. Like maybe someone inside of his like you know." crew of subordinates Cadre. really cares about you know tamagawa on a personal level and we're gonna find that out and so like for the sake of protecting tamagawa they call akari dopo and say hey that kid that you whooped that you let get away is here right now fucking up the cory hotels we will swear fealty to you and you know work Ooh. with you know the enemy syndicate if you come here and stop mario from beating you know tamagawa you know what i mean so that we can get our tamagawa back like that i could see that being a sacrifice one of the secretaries make or one of the secretaries make. can go back mm. oh like, yeah it might be it might be past the point of no return but yeah, i'm saying like might... someone will be like yo he's not listening when we tell him to chill out we don't want to lose tamagawa so before that point of no return hopefully i can get someone in here to stop the situation before we lose tamagawa and maybe it just happens anyway or something but i could see someone making the attempt like yuji kaku letting us know next chapter that one of his secretaries is like madly in love with him or something like that and doesn't want to see him go out like this so he they called for backup behind his back or something i i think that like dopo he'd be like first of all you know you did the taboo for tanuki you know what you're signing up for. And also, yeah. I want people to fear me. That means some guy is doing my shit that, for me because he's me. Love that. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, nah, go nuts. Yeah. Deal with him yourself. Remember, I'm in charge. If you can't deal with him, you definitely can't take me. Right. Yeah, I could see that too. But I could also see him being like, wait a minute, hold on. Somebody is pretending to be me? Uh, all right, yeah, I'll be right there to come help you or whatever. And it's like, nah, there's only room for one Akari Dopo in this town, and it just crushes him anyway. <laughs> Yo. Oh, man, I could see that. Either way, no, that'd be nuts. It is. There's... That's a really cool concept. I like this fight a lot. Yeah. I like the implications this fight causes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a few things that I have to say left. Yeah. Like some like like one the language, where he's like, um, "I'll make you shake and tear at the name of Dopo Akari, my name," and or like, "If you think you're over your fear of me, I'll have to rekindle it once again." Um, 
he doesn't talk like Dopo Akari, right? He's still talking in a way that's similar to Tamagawa. Right, he's like, talking I mean, like Tamagawa as Dopo Akari, yeah. how, what he thinks Dopo Akari would say, probably. Mm-hmm. But still just doesn't know the guy all that well. <laughs> I mean, he's never really cared to. Yeah. Um, because at the first page, he's saying, like, you know, Enma Syndicate is merely a business partner. I accept orders to no one but Mr. Gobi Gobu Danuki. So, like, you know, he's just doing business. He's never really cared. And, like, for the longest time, Dopo was the runt. Yeah. You know? Um, but I think that it's interesting that he uses, like, you know, name of Dopo Akari, my name. And it's just, like, it's him. What page is that? The last page. Oh, yeah. Where he says that, and he's like, you know, my name. And it's, like, a reinforcement of... Just a reinforcement of, like, hey, that's my name, right? Yeah. That's my name. Right? Yeah, like, I am surrendering myself to this new replacement consciousness, replacement self that is taking over me. It's like my name is Dopo Akari because I have given up my option of only holding this form for a little bit and going back to Tamagawa. Now I'm just going to beat the shit out of you, become Dopo Akari, and get this shit done. So now, yeah, Dopo Akari is my name because I am fully it's allowing like myself to go past the point of no return yeah i like that there's little little things that you can like that like language and stuff can convey and I yeah really like that. absolutely um, that, i have nothing else yeah i think i'm good too man great chapter can't wait for the next one as usual um i really like where ayashimon is right now and where it seems to be going and yeah <laughs> that'll do it for ayashimon chapter 23 all right, moving into Sakamoto Days, Chapter 70, Sounds versus Gaku. Love this chapter. Very exciting. The way that the strategy develops inside of the, the choreography is really fucking cool, but it goes back to what we were saying in the Ayashimon segment about how just because you have a good idea for a new advantage doesn't mean that that's going to be effective enough to get you the W, you know what I mean? And I feel like we're seeing a lot more Shonen series kind of um a, you know use this this storytelling device or this technique where they generate hype by a new realization inside of the protagonists in combat that makes you go fuck yeah now they got it and then you just reveal more about the antagonists that allows them to deal with that new strategy um you know, in a way that brings despair and dread back to the comic. You know what I mean? So you gotta be able to balance hope with dread. You know what I mean? Otherwise it's going to feel like i don't know like there's no reason to worry about the protagonists you know what i mean yeah. inside of a conflict you have to have that back and forth of they're gonna be okay oh my god maybe not oh wait new strategy this looks like it's gonna be the one. Oh no they dealt with that so easily what's next you know what i mean you have to have that constant guessing that uncertainty that's what builds the tension and that's what builds the stakes in a series like sakamoto days that's heavily reliant on choreography so it's good to see our guy, you know, Yuto Suzuki, um, imploring, imploring these these strategies inside of his storytelling. Uh, there was parts that I quite liked with, um, like, <sighs> the tension release cycle and the choreography is really solid that I quite liked. And it really showcases, like, Gaku's personality and the fact that, like, he is literally playing with his food. Yeah. He, he doesn't care. He knows he's stronger. You know, yeah. 
and he's he's playing around. He's having fun. He is treating this like uh, a video game. He even says at one point, you know, hey, sorry, I'm gonna break Shania. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's easy for him to do these things because he's 14. clearly not there himself. And if he was, who knows how this fight would, would go. But he's not. He literally is playing a video game for all intents and purposes. So it makes he sense that he would. Time. Yeah, it makes sense. Like Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. there's something interesting. So I like the use of tools in this aspect. So um, Kaji, on page three... He whips out like this like thing that he puts over both his ears and it probably enhances his hearing. Yeah. Or like um funnels background noise or like picks up on like smaller noises without well like fading out like environmental stuff. Yeah. Um some sort of like auditory enhancer for him. Yeah. Um which I think is really interesting. Um, yeah, there is and it's cool how they use it to, like, take the concept of, um, you know, technique stealing, you know what I mean? And, like, using it in this form of, like, I can hear things so well that I can hear the exact movements that this person is making. I can hear the way that they move against the ground, the way that they move through the wind, the way that their body, you know, moves through space. I can hear all of those things so well that I can recreate it in my own body. And like, that's really cool. You know what I mean? Because it just, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's talking about how it's giving you so much more information than we usually get that you can use it to outright mimic the things that you are hearing. And that's like really cool as a concept. I think so too, because like when you do like, kicks and stuff or like punches so like my buddy was into boxing for a while and i was like you know holding the mitts for a while and mm -hmm. he was like you want to trade you want to trade off you want you want to try this you want to learn a little bit and he's like yeah sure man um and he was talking about it. i was like yeah no he's like there you go and he kept saying that's a good sound like that sounds better mm. right because when you make contact with like material those materials they make like a thwack 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 sound mm -hmm. um and based on like the amount of drag or if like you're hitting it at a bad angle, it does dampen or mute the sound of what you're trying to do. And it comes like if you hit it dead on, it makes like a nice, sharp, crisp, like thwack sound for boxing gloves. Um, I'm thinking of like martial arts movies. If you watch like a Bruce Lee move movie, the way he moves, his own clothes kind of whip, whip, as they like are flinging, nearly flinging off his body, and then it catches against his arms. Like his sleeve will like fly forward because he raised his arm, and then it'll hit the bottom of his like arm, and mm. it'll make that thip 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 because he's moving so fast. His clothes are almost like whipping around like mm. that, and because he he like would move so fast that they had to have him slow down so he could be caught on camera. Right, because the cameras weren't tight enough back then. Exactly. And so, like, Kaji being able to, like, listen to Gaku's clothes and the way he's, like, like, the way his clothes are bouncing off his body to create, recreate the sound of his attacks right. is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love the idea. It's just, like, so, like... It's like, you know, it's Giorgio, you know what I mean? In like ancient aliens where he's like aliens. It's like whenever I see a situation like this with a concept like this introduced in combat, I always just go Japan, you know what I mean? Because like they're the only people that can think of shit like this, you know what I mean? Like you only get this kind of shit in like manga choreography and action and 
fighting and concepts like these with power systems and just overall fighting techniques and fighting styles in general, this is very Eastern storytelling. I think so, because it's less about the focus. Like, the West tends to have a focus on, like, strength and speed and endurance, right? Like, very core physical concepts, whereas, like, a lot of manga, it revolves around, like, the senses. Right. How one observes the world and then can react to it. So Kaji is hearing. He's yeah. able to do that. If you've ever read like the webtoon, I know a couple of our people on a Discord read the boxer. They have like such visual acuity that the world to them seems as if it's in slow motion and he dominates the boxing world because of it. Yeah. He like gets to the finals like only taking like three hits. Yeah. Uh, I mean from like he gets hit more in other places, but like, yeah, like yeah. everyone that isn't a champion of their like div- weight division, yeah, no one even touches him. Yeah, it just feels um, like historically, like in the West, you'll get like a superpower set, you know, or something like that. That is, um, I don't want to say like surface level, but like they have a good idea for a concept, and then they just kind of like give you that at face value, and it looks good in the art, and like the writing is good enough for like everything. But then you go over to the East, and it just feels like Japanese people take those exact same concepts and just think about them on a much deeper level like what are all of the angles that could that you know that you can look at this concept and then they think about that deeper than than the west does and then they take that deeper level of thinking and they turn it into writing as far as exposition and you know it it creates the nuances of power systems that we love so much in the east versus you know superpower superhero comic books in the west at least you know what i mean so i don't want to speak for all western comic books but specifically like inside of like big two superhero comics they don't go as deep into these concepts as japanese people do japanese people will will, will look at something think of all of the different ways that it can work and then take that you know spattered thought web and turn it into exposition to create the nuances in their power system. Yeah. And that's just like really cool and impressive and like a defining thing when you're thinking about Eastern versus, versus Western superpower comics. So I think it's also like how they, they view like communities, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, they think about like, how does this affect the people around me? How does this change how I interact with the people around me? And like, that's a huge core, like that's a huge thematic change in like, storytelling right like like a western comics and western politics tends to be about the individual how does one fight against other individuals or its environment like man versus environment man versus god man versus man right. that kind of whereas like it's less competitive it's like how does man interact with this how does man with a interact with that how does man with a have to interact with the world because of like this over like how does kaji have to interact with the world based on his insane hearing what would his childhood have been like he's shy he's nervous he's got all this anxiety what are the weaknesses that would come from that if this guy ever weaponized and gaku does like he does a basically like a sonic boom clap bursts his eardrums that was wild bro oh wait 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 wait. real quick before that even we have to talk about how we totally like kind of predicted the like combat um, or like the in combat thought process of Shin and Kaji in regard to figuring out um, or in regard to figuring out that uh, Gaku is in a warehouse. He's in a confined space. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because Kaji sits here and goes, hey, can't you hear that echo? I can hear Beautiful. through my enhanced hearing now that 
the signals for uh, the person controlling Shania are bouncing off of walls in a way that is like reverberating back to my ears, even where he is in his in his, in his uh, little like warehouse situation, so he can hear the space that Gaku is occupying. Man's is a bat. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know that. But it's cool that he can hear it through the VR situation. You know what I mean? It's almost like he can tell. Like, he can hear the sounds that are happening in the warehouse, even. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Which is, like, insane. Yeah. I really love that panel at the bottom of 10, where he's facing Shania inside the warehouse, as if Shania is not in the cave. Right. You know? He's like, I'm focusing on that. I'm not focusing on the cave. I'm focusing on the other end through that, like, electronic feedback that you're getting. Yeah. And it's just like, that's crazy that yeah. he can, like process spatially all that information yeah Uh, yeah that shit's wild but it's still not enough like like we were saying like it's like hey now we know you're in a fucking warehouse so that means that we can corner you as far as the space that the person controlling shania is occupying we can move him against a wall to prevent his range of movement so that we can nail down shania inside of this cave that's obviously a lot bigger of a space but he can't move because now the real gaku is running into a wall so therefore shania is running into a wall and that creates that hope that hype that oh shit they got him dead to rights but then he said nope boom just punches through the wall i think we talked about this exact situation too like what if they do catch him you know against a wall or in the corner of the warehouse that he's in shania won't be able to fucking move right he'll be fucked but he'll probably just punch through the wall and say fuck this warehouse and create more space for himself and that's exactly what he did yeah that's exactly what they expected him to do that too based off what he was doing like how he's just brute force overwhelming everything that came in his way he's like well a wall is not going to stop him more than it takes for him to knock that wall down i like that gaku he's like Oh yeah, you know, you you guys got me. You guys got me pretty good. And then he, you know, he's he's playing Super Smash Bros. and he's sitting up straight now. Yeah. He's like, so, <laughs> he was back before, uh, and now he's like, all right, look. <laughs> yeah, you got me down to one stock. Now to play for real. Time yeah. to go on a murder spree. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's doing that, and I love, I love that. There's one art part that I really liked. It was on page eight, top page. Gaku is saying, this is starting to get good. Let's not waste it. Mm-hmm. The, the warehouse is reflected in the visor. And where the main door of the uh, warehouse is shining, that's where his eye would be underneath the visor. Mm. And I just like that like overlay yeah. kind of like little touch that adds kind of like that human aspect because that shining eye thing in his like visor is repeated in Shania on page 17, where he says, we can't beat him. And it's the opposite eye in this time. Yes. Same kind of visual stuff. That we got of- last chapter that you were talking about in the last review. Yo. And it's like, cool, that was great. That that was only, like, it was almost nine to eight, nine, about nine to ten pages uh, difference. Yeah, wow. That. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's yes. super cool. And then the scene before that, where uh he like copies you know um gaku's attack he's like that movement he's like that's my move and he's like i've got 
your sound's down now, dude. And so he's talking about, like, just from sounds alone, he can recreate another guy's attacks. I'd almost forgotten, like, Toromaru. He's from the special recommendation group. And he's like, it took a bit of time. And he's like, wait, why didn't you do that from the beginning? It takes concentration, that whole thing. But then it goes back to Gaku. And and uh, what's the what's the antler dude's name again? I can't fucking remember. I always forget. Oh, God. Uh, I... Kashima, 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 Kashima. It says it right there on the panel. So Kashima yeah. is like sounds. How stupid! We can just play music or something. He instantly has you know the counter to Kaji as soon as he gets the information from Gaku. So like that shows the competence of the villain organization that they're up against right now. But then Gaku goes and says, hey, even though we could instantly nerf this dude and I could just win easily just by, like, taking away his sense of hearing my movements translated to Shania, we can completely counter that. But, like, let's not because this is an honor-bound assassination. Whenever you have strong characters, they always want to get things done relatively honorably, if not in as honorably as possible. You know what I mean? So naturally, a character like Gaku wouldn't want you know, um, Kashima to nerf Kaji in that way because he's having fun. These guys are giving him a run for his money to a certain degree. So he's like, I want to see just how capable these guys are. So let's not take any advantages away from them because one, I'm confident enough in myself. And even if I wasn't, I don't want to cheat in, you know, yeah. in, a, in a fight like this. And that's really cool because like it works on a character level, even though it is technically the villains or the antagonists ignoring a possible advantage that they can have for the sake of the protagonist to succeed but they still don't because he's just that capable and i like how sakamoto has to come in at the end after all of the advantages are exhausted after the the back and forth of dread and hope back and forth giving us hype and making us worried upping the, un the uncertainty and the tension and the stakes from the fight has been executed beautifully and now sakamoto comes in to save shin at the end i can see people being relatively disappointed in this if not outright disappointed because we spent so much time hyping up the growth of shin and wanting him to get this w but this is gaku technically that he's up against you know what i mean yeah. and we're and we're in a, a part of the storytelling where shin is going through a growth you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's acknowledging his weaknesses, telling himself, no, you can't have Sakamoto come save you. You have to get things done on your own. He's going through that character journey physically and mentally right now. You know what I mean? So it's okay that he doesn't get the first massive W coming out of these new convictions. You don't want him to beat Gaku right here because they have to deal with this motherfucker for real a lot later. Or, or however long later into the future. So let him get his ass whooped this time while having great strides in his growth that we can see and respect, but then let Sakamoto come in and finish the job so that Shin can have that much more to think about going into the real confrontation with Gaku later on in the story, which I'm assuming I mean, we're going to get. You know, it's, it's a very... But, like, Shin did win, you know? Yeah. He beat Shania... Up, he was Gaku's puppet. He was an extension of Gaku. He was a set amount of skill, mm -hmm. you know, had physical limits. And the only reason Shania, the Shania puppet, won is because Gaku overclocked him. That's right. So like, he beat, he beat Gaku, he beat Gaku's extension. Right. So. So now he Gaku won. said, yo, you can't just beat my extension. You got to fight the real me now. I'm going to break Shania so that I can have my full range yeah. of movement and capability. Fuck the puppet. I have to get real. I have to like actually fight you for real. And that is a W for Shin. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
And like Shania, like his arms are falling apart on page 16 at the beginning. Like blood is pouring out of his nose and mouth. And he's like, this guy is not doing well. Right. He is going to die or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, he beat Shania, but he's not beating Gaku. So that's, I'm okay with Sakumato going in. Like Shin yeah. has shown a big burst of growth. And at the same time, like growth is not continuous. Sometimes you stay the level you're at for a couple of years and then you grow again. Some people grow in 10 year spurts, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. It's like going to the gym, you know, it's, you know, you don't do it right away and right. neither should. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm super okay with it. I just don't want the, the power, like, I don't want to say the word power scaling. I don't want to say, I don't want the power scaling to start feeling weird in, in Sakamoto days. But it does feel artificial but... that way when you, like, he beat this person, but he lost to this person, therefore yeah. he's worse. And I'm like, that's not quite how those things work. Because, yeah. like, if you go to, like, I love boxing, yeah. right? You can have a lot of different kind of boxers in a, in a, in a weight class. Yeah. The, some of them are, like, I'm really good at this particular guy. For some reason, I just vibe with him. I know what he's doing, and my mm -hmm. style fucks him up. Even yeah. though I'm not the strongest or fastest of that my weight bracket or my particular fighting style. I'm just good against this dude. Yeah. You know? So, like, power scaling always feels like an awkward conversation because right. it's like a lot of the characters aren't static. Yeah. It just feels In better when you it just feels better when you have characters that don't like automatically win just because they had a growth spurt. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's not like automatically like this was still very high diff and the, the tension, you know, switched and it, the the advantages switched back and forth constantly throughout the fight. But I mean like he is literally in the middle of like a growth spurt in his character mm -hmm. arc. You know what I mean? So like you don't want to just give him that W because Gaku is just too big of a, of a, of a player on the enemy team. You know what I mean? And it, and it just doesn't make sense for Shin, even though this dude is being, you know, controlled by Gaku and not actually fighting Gaku, that just does more for the feeling of growth. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you have the character lose, even after all of this mental and physical growth, it just makes it feel that much better. You know what I mean? It's, it's always better than having them win. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In my it's opinion. more satisfying. It yeah. feels more natural. Right. right. It doesn't feel as forced. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if it feels really forced, it, the series becomes a lot less fun for me. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, don't want to like, be able, I don't want to, I don't want to come to it. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Say that again. Oh, it's just like, it feels forced if like the wins are like automatic. Like, I leveled up. I'm going to win. Yeah. And so, like, that was one of the things that, like, I like Black Clover. I like the concept of Black Clover, but some of the fights just felt a little hollow to me because of that. Yeah. Just like, oh, cool, you leveled up. I don't know how your new powers work, but like they're <laughs> immediately working and it feels a little forced. Yeah. Whereas like a Yashimon and like um, Sakamoto days, it feels like, yeah, this is a struggle the entire way up. Yeah. And I don't so want to feel more. like, you know, I can come to expect that whenever a character you know it, it goes through an obvious growth spurt that they're just going to get a w immediately following that i don't want to feel like i have that expectation in a series you know what i mean i want to i want to feel like i want to feel like i don't know what's going to happen next i want that uncertainty you know what i mean so if you have so many conflict resolutions that come after a growth spurt then you're going to come to expect like oh 
all right, there's a newfound vigor in the main character. There's a newfound, you know, like he he pulled. It's just always better to consider the ramifications of systems that are already in place than to just introduce a new system and then, yeah. you know, have that be conflict resolution. You know what I mean? Like, I want to go back into what we already have and see if there's a way I can pull the W out from something in history rather than have the W come from some kind of hand-wavy injection of new information and then come to expect that that's the way that conflicts are going to be resolved in a story. You know what I mean? I like, I need that uncertainty factor until the very end, you know, otherwise it's just, is that much less compelling if it doesn't happen that way for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've got two things. That's all I've got left. Um, the page 14, when Gaku says, I'm going to break Shania. I don't think the wound on Kaji should be fatal because of how bulky his jacket is. Right. It's still like, you know, he's going to have some fractured ass ribs, if not yeah. just missing flesh. But yeah. it's not going to be like, oh, he scooped his liver out. Right, right. Like, uh, real hurt. Probably going into shock as we speak. But like, I think he'll be able to be salvageable and survive. I like Kaji. him blowing his ears out though is like a big deal. It's like that's fucking Ooh. you know that's Kaji's bread and butter, and he seems to have just like popped his eardrums. So it's like yeah, holy shit, what is that? Yeah, what does that mean for? for what do you say? That kid's on sick leave for a while. Yeah, yeah but was... I mean like sick leave like for like for a while. Like I feel like like how do you unless there's some kind of like crazy surgery that he can get or some kind of like whatever. It's like yeah. I don't know. I want to feel like his fucking hearing is going to be drastically affected by this like it's never going to be the same again and that's like his whole fighting style so like what does this mean for the future of kaji's character to have his eardrums popped like this like that's big damage like pay the top of page 16 yeah. that blood is shooting out with some decent psi like. yeah yeah you know what i mean like that's that's major that but. blood is leaving his eardrums expeditiously yeah for uh, real uh yeah i mean if it heals and it's like scarred over his hearing is reduced he might not have that same level of weakness right he still has mm. like the same audible acuity right like he's still good he can still understand the sounds that he's receiving but maybe his like audible like perceivable range is diminished so like that might short like a like breaking a bone right yeah like, it might reinforces a power so that like he's not as sensitive to sound as possible but if he's within a certain range and he can still hear you he can still interpret and do the same kind of copy stuff it's just like that same kind of like sonic clap right. won't ao him like last time because he literally cannot hear that level of nuance mm, at sure. that, like that preciseness right that, right like, range He's like, oh, yeah, I can't hear through a Shania bot anymore. I can't hear through a phone right. how another guy is moving, you know. And so, like, he might just adapt with it. Or, yeah, he could. Like, I could see that happening. Um, the acupuncturist lady seems to do really crazy stuff. Like, mm. you know, Sakamoto's physicality literally shapeshifts from, like, obese to, you know, svelte you know <laughs> lean beef yeah you know? yeah so it's like there's stuff like that um and i wonder like um exactly how drastic this this clap was from gaku because we see that you know he's got some pretty intense motion lines going on in the warehouse in the gaku body and then transferring straight to you know shania in the cave 
when the clap actually comes together, you see that it's actually affecting the water underneath them, and it looks like it's pretty major. Obviously, it's enough to blow out the ears of Kaji, who has, like, way more acute sense of hearing than Shin, but it doesn't look like it affected Shin, like, at all. And then yeah. Shin's damage comes from him reaching his limit, or whatever we can assume, because he says not now right under that. But Shin doesn't look like he was all that affected by the actual clap itself, and it's like, I get it, it hurts Kaji more because he can hear so much better, but to not Maybe. affect Shin at all makes me think that the clap wasn't really all that major. I think with. it's because, um, and the thing is, it might not be all blood, because remember, he, in the beginning of the chapter, had machines, so if you zoom in, some of it's the machine breaking as well, like his, his auditory enhancing machines that he puts oh, on sure. at the beginning of the chapter is breaking, so like, it's not all just blood. Yeah, so if it's uh, strong enough to physically break the fucking, like... I don't even know what those things are made of, but it's got to be some at least some kind of hard plastic, if not some kind of metal, you know what I mean? Like, or, or whatever kind of material it is for a clap, however far away from Kaji to reach him and actually like blow up his technology like that has to have affected Shin. He's right next to him. Yeah, there's stuff. Um, yeah. The only thing I have left is that I liked um kashima's like response on page seven to like oh the sound that's stupid and he's more of like a clinical i play to win gaku is more you know it's the type a type b personality that you mm -hmm. see in japan japanese horoscopes where gaku's like i'm playful i want to play with my food and kashima's just like i'm practical yeah. let's fucking win yeah and... how about pragma pragmatism question mark like why Pragmatic, why are, yeah. why are you over here you know tony hawks tony hawks pro skater when we could literally just like get this done and get back to what we were fucking doing how about yeah um i it show like them and then also like gaku saying like no nah, i'd rather not listen to the music because your music sucks uh, it's all sad shit um and it's like best of the heisei era which is like 1899 to uh, 1989 to 2019 mm -hmm. uh like sad pop bangers i don't know oh um, is the heisei era that long wow yeah the heisei era is 20 years wow um 30, okay 30 years yeah no. 80 89 yeah. to 2019 yeah like, i, I yeah. googled it yeah that's like um, 30 years yeah yeah that's yeah. wild but um they do that and yeah. then yeah, it just shows like a little human side and like kind of like the differences in their personality, which is like, yeah. it's just a, it's just like two panels, but I like the showcase. Yeah, and like every time that, you know, Yuto Suzuki kind of gives us this scene in the warehouse of Kashima and Gaku interacting, you know, and how pally it is, you know what I mean? How friendly it is, how like cool it is. It's not just like, no, you fool, do this so that we can accomplish our overarching dastardly plot. Shut up, don't don't tell me what to do. I we have the same exact motivations with two, you know, completely for the overlord. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's not. It's like, yo, like our personalities, like, you know, being this We're just doing a job. Come yeah, on. like, you know, yeah, it's just like always better to show I don't I don't know. I prefer antagonists that can interact mm -hmm. in this way over the, you know, blind zealot you know like kind of um subordinates that we're used to but it's or, like or maybe watching, not used to but have historically been there in abundance yeah they've got the vibe of like two dudes that get sent off to like do construction and then they're just <laughs> like hey kashima's like hey we gotta wear hard hats and gaku's just like bro 
we just did lunch. Why are you like this? Yeah, <laughs> like, like you care about this job so much. It's bro. just like, like I just like I'm one handing these pallets, and he's like, Yukaku, you can't do that. You need to put like a weight belt or something. He's like, what are you, Osha or my mom? Get <laughs> off my dick. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Though it's just it's fun to see. Yeah. Um, last yeah, thought I that I have. have. Yeah, last thought for me. Um, I've been having this conversation actually with one of my friends for like a couple of weeks now. And I'm trying to remember the last time an exam arc in a manga actually completed without being drastically interrupted in some way. Like, I feel like that's like a trope. Like, you have an exam arc, it gets mm. interrupted and doesn't get to conclude conventionally. Like, like, like Ranger Reject by Long Exams is happening right now. And it's like the exact same situation. Sakamoto Day's exam arc interrupted by Shania Puppet, Gaku, and Kashima fucking tuning exams fucking like like yeah. you name it like the only exam arc that i like remember completing conventionally was like the fucking hunter exam <laughs> in hunter hunter and even that like kind of like got weird but still completed yeah but, yeah like, no hey, with man, illumi with illumi and uh and killua yeah because illumi like you know was disguised as gita rocker for the hunter exam and then in the final like tournament you know for the for the exam he like pulled out all of his pins and revealed that he was a Lumi and then was like kill away you got to kill somebody because like they're i don't want you to be a hunter i don't want you to have friends essentially so yeah. like that there it was interrupted for killua but it didn't interrupt like the entire exam the and it actually thing. got to finish and everyone got their hunter licenses and whatnot but oh like other God. than that i, I don't right. yeah i don't know i can't at least i can't off the top like think of another exam mark that didn't get you know interrupted in some major way before it concluded um, yeah, but if, I, if I literally can't think of anything, if you guys yeah, can, put yeah. in the comments, please. Yeah. I want to read that. I want to see what a full exam looks like. Yeah, it's like totally a thing, bro. Like it's like huh. an established thing, like that. Like it's almost like mangaka feel like they have to do it. <laughs> but that's all I have for Sakamoto this week. You good? Yep. All right, that'll do it for Sakamoto seventy. All right, getting into Mission Yozakura Family. Mission number 129, Let's Be a Family Again. Holy shit, this chapter was fucking insane, obviously. Mm -hmm. But we got another color page, back-to-back -back color pages inside of Mission Yozakura Family. Can't remember the last time I saw back-to-back -back color pages for any series. So good, hmm. on, good on you, you know Hitsuji Gondaira. You're killing yeah. the game right now. This one's fucking beautiful, too. They're, they always are, but... There's like um, there's like three or four different like styles I want to say that like kind of like stick out inside of the color page um history of Mission Yozakura family that like obviously you get like a huge like spectrum of different kinds of art that you can see but like there are a couple different styles that I just have vivid memory of off the top and like this is that one of them and the last one too where it's like that almost um color pencil pastel kind of uh vibe to the coloring you know what I mean Mm, yeah i like it it's nice and soft it kind of showcases like the whole family's color palettes yeah. especially when we're used to seeing them only in like the black and white medium right um which i quite like and it's a nice contrast to like the previous color page right right where mitsumi was like oh you know kind of forlorn right mm -hmm. whereas this one's like bright and optimistic and it's just like okay here's the other side of the coin 
Yeah, it's showing us what she was missing in the previous colored page where she had her hand on the glass inside the house looking outside. Mm -hmm. And we had that conversation about how she is, you know, kind of longing for that inclusion in the outside, you know, festivities that the rest of the siblings kind of get to have while she's kind of like locked behind a wall in a fortress to protect her. She's like kind of like feels separated from what the rest of the gang does usually. But this is showing her outside with everybody. You know what I mean? Obviously, they're not on any kind of like dangerous mission or anything. This is actually a very wholesome slice of life family moment. But yeah. still, it's like a direct contrast to the previous color page. As oh, far as man. Mutsumi goes, you know what I mean? In her, yeah. Um, yeah, life, in her situation. Yeah. Um, and saying like on the other side of the coin, that goes directly to like page 13. Yeah. Oh man, like him saying love and hate are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And I'm just like, this this chapter was very revealing about Momo. It was nice to see his real thoughts yeah. behind the normally composed interior exterior, right? right? Like he's always been enigmatic and this has been a very raw, visceral yeah. exposure of his like drive. Absolutely. He's always being shown as like this, you know, composed, like you said, individual that always seems to be a step ahead and like understands like what's going on in a situation and knows how the situation is going to go. He doesn't ever look, you know, um worried about anything. But then that veil gets broken. And we kind of like see him in his true state mentally, which just adds to the unhinged nature of these last couple of chapters, bro. And like Momo making the comparison between him and Ray, and uh, or, uh Tayo, oh, right. him and Ray, right? Yeah, yeah. so go. yeah, so him making the comparison between him and him and his wife and Tayo and Mutsumi serves multiple purposes, I think, because mm. because because it, it's like over the last couple of chapters he's been shown you know, more and more unhinged, but the beginning of this chapter starts with this comparison and it works as like pathos for Momo, obviously. And like, it gives him like relatability points, but like not only for, you know, us, but also Tayo lines of dialogue like this, you know, in this very, um, you know, psychological exchange that they've been having the last couple of chapters works towards creating conflict in the hearts of us and the protagonists. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, you're being crazy as fuck and we got to get you out of here. But like, you totally used to be cool and have lives like similar to ours going out and doing regular activities with your wife the way that like I'm going out and doing regular activities with my wife and Goliath and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like, you're insane and we have to defeat you. But like part of us definitely wants that dad back. You know what I mean? And it creates that conflict you know, in the protagonist that makes the tension skyrocket because it's like, dude, we have to beat our dad's ass because he's so crazy. But like, he used to be so cool and we miss that. But we, but we have to, you know, realize inside of ourselves that it's never going to be that way again. So like the emotional, you know, intelligence of, of Hitsuji Gondaira to be able to write this kind of conflict this smoothly, as crazy as it is, is really interesting and impressive because it's like, this is a story that like you just i personally did not expect to get this kind of situation from when i started He's it horrifying yeah you know oh, what i mean like this man. shit is wild and deep and introspective and it like crazy as fuck uh i feel like a lot of his like dialogue is him projecting yeah so much of it is projecting like like when he sees like page 2 
He sees Tayo, he sees Mitsumi. Page three, he says, I'm, you remind me of him. But on page two, he says, a husband who protects the family head and his hands are like yeah. talons, sh- visibly shaking. And it's like, he hates Tayo because he has what he lost. Right. And it's like, it's a res- like it feels like an obvious resentment. He immediately pivots to like crying tears of joy that's so beautiful. And it's like he's trying to skew his entire life in like the most positive outlook possible because that's the only way he's able to survive yes. his own anguish. And so like being told to stop, um, He's being told to stop. He says, like, he's like, you children are bound by the past, prisoners of your own hatred. Where's your positive attitudes? Where's your mercy, your forgiveness? You've forgotten all these things. And I feel like this is more a projection of Momo's internal self onto the children. Yeah. He is, a, he is bound to the, by the past. He is a prisoner of his own self-hatred. And he is, mm. you know, he needs to find he need he needs to find the positive attitude. He needs to remember his mercy and forgiveness because he was about to punish his children, attack them. Right. And he immediately like bit his own fingers. Yeah. To curb his own bloodlust yeah. against it, like it's not the kids that need mercy or forgiveness. It's him. He's forgotten all those things. He's been warped by his time and isolation within the like the cold you know, community that is the yeah. Sabomi attendance. Yeah, wow, that was uh, that was really cool. That was well said. I, I 100% agree. And, and it's also just, like, really cool that this particular conflict was resolved through a difference in philosophy, right? Like, a mental exchange and defeat of Momo, you know, to save the, the truly physical conflict for later. You definitely didn't want it to just be, like, another Naraku situation where it's like, ha-ha! You know what I mean? Like the Kyoichiro stuff is done and then I pull up and 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 then bees. we say some words and then bees and then I'm gone. You know what I mean? And I'll see you next time or whatever. Like, no, something was actually accomplished here through this mm-hmm. conversation with the kids. Like, yes, there was a little bit of a physical exchange between Futaba and and Momo and, um, and Kyoichiro, but it wasn't like a true, you know, physical, you know, like we're taking down Momo right now. You know what I mean? So like you definitely wanted to give it substance and this you know exchange and uh, of the motivations and the mental state of momo was a great way to deliver a very intense um and tension-filled conflict resolution to this situation even though they didn't actually defeat him but they kind of mm-hmm. did they defeated him like mentally first and now he's like oh I mean, and, and he's fucking yeah. ripping his fucking face off through the frustration of like exactly what you were just talking about about how he's a a prisoner of his own self-hatred and whatnot that was really well said but yeah like they totally beat him up in that way and now he's like all right fuck it i gotta go regroup and i'll see y'all next time you know so they yeah. got like a w on this man essentially and they beat him yeah by having boundaries exactly sticking to them yeah that, like he it's it's one of those things like I was reading on how um, one of the best ways to spot a narcissist mm-hmm. or an abuser is to have boundaries and literally just stand by them and not be cajoled into their way of thinking. Yeah. No matter how pretty their words sound or how good their reasoning appears, yeah. if you're just like, hey man, let me have my boundaries and leave it at that. Yeah. And if they can accept that, that's good. That and at the end of the good- 
problems. Right. And at the end of the day, like they're going up against a parent, you know what I mean? And like, it's hard to, you know, stick to boundaries, you know, like probably like when it comes to like a mom or a dad, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'll, I've disagreed with my parents t a, a bunch of times, even like since, you know, becoming an adult, obviously. And it's, you know, a lot of times you just kind of like let things go because it's your mom or your dad, you know what I mean? Like that you normally would just be like, you want to say like, yo, no, like I'm, you want to disagree or you want to, you know, just outright deny a certain thing that they're saying or doing, but you're just like, ah, oh, it's mom or dad though. So like, whatever, you know what I mean? And it's nothing ever that, you know, this intense, obviously, because this is a, a work of fiction with superpowers and this dude is actually a psychopathic, like genocide or yeah. murderer, you know what I mean? So we can't relate in that way, but like yeah. on a real life level, there's been plenty of times where like, you know, you could obviously d disagree with your parents and j that oh, just yeah. decide to go with it anyway, just because it's mom Dukes, you know, it's dad, you know, like whatever you can have that, you know, it's my, it's my parents, you know, so they have to fight against that feeling, you know, while they're establishing Absolutely. these, these boundaries in this chapter. So I, actually had a conversation with my mom about how she was almost talked out of buying a home in a different town like her second home in a different town by the family like the family's just like why are you moving away from like this t town a why do you want to move to town b like she she almost got talked out of it and she's like no you know I, i'm not really happy in town a i would like to try out town b and have my own space and like do this thing like I'm going to stick to it. And like, there was a disagreement and she, that she was like, you know, the, the, it was a little bit much. They were a bit much about that. And it's just like, it makes sense. Like no matter how old you are, you know, it, it's some P parents have a really hard time. Like even people my age, like some of my friends talk about how their parents don't, will always see them as children as mm. opposed to, grown ass adults with like mortgages <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like hey what, what please trust my judgment in how i live my life because you you raised me and right. I, I have taken all the information you've given me and i am living a life that an adult has yeah. like some of my friends are having kids or have had kids and then their parents are like you don't know what you're doing and he's like i'm doing exactly what you did but with like a little more money to start off with right have you? Like, yeah I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. But yeah, he comes out of his little, like, crazy fucking psycho monologue, and everyone's like, all right, it's time to fade this motherfucker. Like, he said enough, you know what I mean? And they go to stance mm -hmm. up on him. Um, but he's, like, trying to get away. He's like, nope, I'm, I'm, I'm losing it personally, and I can tell that I'm losing it, so I am not in the proper state to actually have this conflict with you guys right now. I'm going to bounce, but, like, I'll see y'all next time. And they're like, fuck no, you're going nowhere. We're about to get you out of here right now. And then right before they pounce on him, Tayo falls over. And, you know, then we get the, the line of dialogue. The poison in Tsubomi's blo blossoms is deadly. He spent all of his strength to neutralize it, so it would be a miracle if he didn't collapse. That makes sense. We never really got any kind of explanation of what that, um, you know, uh, connection between him and Kyoichiro mm -hmm. could, like, possibly have an effect on his body. Like, we never got that. It was just kind of, my blossoms are neutralizing your blossoms, and that made sense to us in the moment. But then coming in now after Tile collapses and saying the reason why he collapsed is because of a detriment from neutralizing all of that poison, well, that's the explanation that we mm -hmm. didn't get before in the chapter where he actually clashed with Kyoichiro because it was going to be used in this chapter to explain why Momo got a moment of distraction to escape the team. So it all flows cohesively and and feels good and feels organic and it's it's not just like a oh tayo collapsed randomly at this moment that we were going to pounce on him you know for 
whatever reason just so that momo could escape like no it like actually makes sense everywhere and it feels really good and it feels like it's like domino effect like one pushing over another it tracks yeah oh man or some other kind of like random distraction that could have happened you know to 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 allow Momo yeah. to escape like no it, it feels planned and thought out and thorough and i love that yeah it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel like a dsx machina like right. everything has a logical reason for why yeah. it's currently happening yeah. um there was this moment um when momo was tearing right before momo's tearing at his own face if you look at his fingers at seven, it looks like he has multiple, multiple joints, like, like three yeah. extra knuckle joints. And it's just on like, page oh. seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's horrifying. I'm yeah. like, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like that. And then yeah. after, like, <sighs> yeah. the fact that he like almost doesn't feel in control of his like bloodlust and body like the way he's interacting with his own body and talking to himself yeah I, at first i thought that horrifying. there was like another you know personality in there you know what i mean because like it's scary he, he, he reaches the hand out and then you turn the page and he catches the hand pulls it back and then the hand like turns towards his face. So I thought I thought it was gonna be a situation like, hey, why are you stopping me, motherfucker? Like, let me let me let me throw an attack at these guys. Like, get out of here. Like, what are you you know? But then no, like this is literally just him being crazy, putting his hand in his mouth so he can bite down on the fingers and stop himself. I don't think it's a it's a dual personality thing anymore. But just like the hand, the two panels on on the bottom of eleven where his hand is facing one way and then the hands are facing himself, the fact that he's Jigon Dyer dedicated two panels to show that motion made me think that he's like conflicted with like another personality or something inside of his body. And this was like a hint towards that. But I I feel like I don't really agree with that as much anymore after finishing. I don't the chapter. think it is. Yeah, I yeah. think he's like because he's just that crazy. <laughs> he wants to inflict pain because he's hurt. Like he right. wants to lash out at them. He says uh, you know, bad kids need to be, like, punished by their parent. Yeah. And, like, if you look closely on the bottom of Eleven, he literally, like, look at where his hand is. It starts here, and then it starts here, which means he fully twisted his wrist oh. while clamping down. He broke his own arm. Yo, you're totally to right. cause himself focus and then bit it on it repeatedly yeah. to, like get him to vent his frustration and like his desire to spread pain in response to pain yes and yeah. then and the imagery he, is nuts throughout all of dude, these unhinged moments horrifying at 312 yeah it's like and 10 too like because like when you when you have you know a manga where a lot of the time you know in this manga specifically it's not in all manga but a lot of the time in in mission yozakura family you know the skin you know um colors are just represented by like stark whites there isn't a whole lot of shading and detail that goes into you know character drawings regularly in in mm -hmm. in in mission dozakura family there are moments that everyone gets where they're a little bit more shaded a little bit more 3d looking where they're supposed to look you know suave or menacing or whatever in those moments but when you get this imagery with with momo 
where it's very closed up he's got blood all over his face and it's highly detailed hella shaded more screen tones and whatnot the more detail you give something i feel like the scarier it is almost you know what i mean especially when they're making faces like momo is making because like you know you watch spongebob and everything is all like spongebob aesthetic and then you'll get one random frame where it's like victorian painting levels of like detail and like yeah hyper realistic and whatnot and it's like shocking and it kind of like disturbs you and kind of like scares you because it's just detailed to that degree and it's jarring in a page turn fashion so like it's the imagery is just definitely doing everything to serve the unhinged crazy nature of momo that hitsuji gondaira is trying to convey here and i can't remember the last time i was creeped out by antagonist imagery to this degree and it's like we got elusive samurai going right now where yusei matsui is doing crazy things inside of the imagery with takauji and we have you know all kinds of villains throughout the magazine but momo is the one that like really kind of like chills me to the core in these last couple of chapters like i can identify the sinister and menacing nature of all the other antagonists in the magazine too but hitsuji gondaira just knocks it out the park he fucking bites his fucking hand on 12 and then on 13 he's looking at it afterwards and there's like a like a a sticky string of blood and saliva like from his mouth to his fucking fingers it's like decision making like that like just ups the creepiness you know that much more and it's just like man what a performance (laughs) and like the the fact that on 12 the like the speech bubbles are muffled because he's talking through chewing on his fingers Wait, where? Like the the speech bubbles on are page twelve. On page twelve, the speech oh. bubbles are, and then once you get to the top of thirteen, his speech bubbles are like smoother, like less jagged. Okay. And then the speech bubbles become a little more jagged when he starts doing this internal monologue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally see what you're talking about now. And then they're like perfectly smooth by like the last couple of things that he says. Yeah, like on 16, we'll meet again soon. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like it's not as like crazy and jagged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like his dialogue is terrifying. Yeah, because it's like, it's fine. I'm fine. No need to be hasty. All will be well. I know they actually love me. (laughs) Why don't I step away for now? I've endured this so long already. I'm used, more than used, to waiting. Yeah. I'll know one day they'll forgive me and accept me. Yo. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. And like, and when that day comes, his arms spread out as if he's offering a gift. He's throwing it at them. And it's just like, you're not reaching towards someone. You're acting as if you're proffering something. And what you're throwing out is like a billion red flags, bro. Like, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah. Oh, he's so chilling. He's probably one of, like, my favorite ongoing villains at this moment. Like, this moment is like, yes, I haven't been creeped out by an antagonist like this since Lieutenant Surumi. Ooh, from um, uh, Golden Kamui? From Golden Kamui. And, like, the 200, chapter, like, 260, 280 range. Um... I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't want to spoil it for you. Right, right, uh, for right. For those who know, you know. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Holy shit. Like 274? Oh. Yeah. Um, something along those lines. Um, <sighs> what a chapter. Yeah. God, he's creepy. He scares the bejesus out of me. 
Yeah. Um, I wonder where we go from here. You know what I mean? Like usually, um, usually like after a big uh, action conflict in you know you know because in, in Yozakura family it can go from like slice of life everyday mundane stuff inside of the family you know that's relatively wholesome you know mm-hmm. to a mission or whatever and then the action turns back up and even in the more like high stakes action like um, frontline arc or you know. Uh, whatever the uh, Kawashita, you know, conclusion arc was, like all that shit was crazy, but they still kind of like went back to a relatively wholesome, you know, slice of life atmosphere pretty quickly. And we can assume that it'll go back into like more, you know, mundane slice of life stuff after this, since this was such a big action conflict physically. But it's like, man, like what would that even look like after a situation like this? Like, will we get one chapter where it's like an aftermath kind of like down in the dumps, like slice of life reflection thing and then go back into more wholesome stuff? Because like that's just like the positivity and the optimism of the of the protagonist that we're dealing with. Or are we going to get like a whole arc of like mental you know um fortification yeah you know what i mean like is it going to be like a completely darker and sadder atmosphere inside of the slice the, this next slice of life arc than we've ever gotten before or are we just going to stay inside of this atmosphere and maybe not just go right back into more action but like not actually go back into what could be considered you know mission yozakura slice of life but just like non-action shonen plot progression you know what i mean mm. I mean, I'm excited I mean, to see the answer to that. Going from, like... Because, like, Yozakura tends to go into three modes. It is action, slice of life, and horror. Like... Mm-hmm. And right after the horror, I feel... But, like, I think that, like, going straight into a slice of life would be almost jarring in from, like, the slice of life that we've known before. Yeah, historically, right? like, the wholesome, like, fun, funny kind. Yeah. Would be, would be super jarring. Yeah. And I think what would happen is there's going to be, like like small bursts of action and then kind of a wind down of like what's driving this action which is either like despair or like sadness or anger at the whole situation they're like i have to be active i don't want to think about it or like i need to be active because i need to work out my feelings yeah right like because of like like momo reacted to like despair of being rejected by his family despite having you know being in isolation having all these you know built up expectations and having those kind of like shook for him Mm -hmm. you know he wanted to create action of violence turns that upon himself still has that action so i expect the the yozakura family to also have action driven by how upset they are by the fact that momo acted the way he did yeah and they could use that as like fuel for like probably like a training arc for everybody it's like okay we got to take this momo motherfucker down he kind of flexed on us a little bit the last couple of times that we've been that we've been you know uh dealing with him but like now we know that this is like big bad main dude we got to get him the fuck out of here so let's Mm -hmm. all just like go into like super focused zoned in training mode and just get ourselves up to the best possible versions of ourselves for this eventual you know final momo conflict i could totally see them just like going into you know pedal to the metal go mode and just like starting to train all across the house yeah and then i imagine them to be like still really stressed because you know they're not allowing themselves to relax and then having a more wholesome slice of life moment where they have like a family gathering and they just have like a family event like yeah it's like you know we've worked really hard we're training but have we really 
rested and recuperated. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how hard we train. If we're not actually taking care of ourselves, right. we're not going to be effective. I could also see um, it going something like that, too, where they're like fresh out of this. They're like, OK, it's time to get serious. Let's get in tip top shape for this Momo motherfucker in the final conflict that's coming up here. And they spend so much time going on missions and doing other kinds of training. Maybe Tayo goes to like gold level inside of his assassination progress oh. or whatever. And they get all of that stuff done. And then before the final conflict, maybe Mutsumi comes forth and like, you know, suggests a situation where it's like, hey, we've been thinking about what Momo did and said to us and it's been fucking with us and it's, you know, given us drive and motivation to like get ourselves ready physically for our next confrontation with them. But before that, let's just chill and be a family for at least like yeah. one day, one more time before this final conflict. And then I could see her, you know, suggesting something like that for yeah. the mental, for the sake of the family, you know what I mean? Like, hey, it's cool to get in shape or whatever, but before we go actually do this, let's be a family one more time before the final fight. You know what I mean? Ooh. I could totally see that. Like, there's, like, a, like, a, I think that, like, maybe one of the lower action points is, like, there's, like, a burnout kind of, like, end point mm -hmm. to one of, like, the siblings, and they're just, like, I'm so frustrated, I can't, why am I failing? Like, I can't, like, Momo's gonna ruin everything if I don't succeed. This is, I hate this, I can't stand this. And it's, like, hey, you know, we're family, like, right. I know you're upset, and I know you're driven, but you're gonna do all right, and... It's okay to rest. Like you're with family. You're 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 with us right now. Just relax. Right. And that'll be enough. And I think I think yeah, that's that, that's super impactful. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I can't wait to see what it is. Regardless, I know Hitiji Gondaira will write the shit out of it. But um, but yeah, I think that that's all I had for Yozakura this week. Same. All right, moving into Jujutsu Kaisen chapter one hundred and eighty four. Tokyo number two colony part four. Holy shit, man. Fucking panda. I love that we switched Dude. perspectives to panda, yeah. but like this was not my baby boy. Yeah, not my not my guy. And I, I love panda because like, I don't know, he's like really smart. Right? Like he's mm -hmm. he's very logical. He considers things from like very logical points of view internally. And 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 even in his dialogue sometimes, but for the most part, he just talks like I don't know, someone you work with at your job or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know, he's just, like, so casual and, like, chill, like, personality-wise, but then, like, internally, like, his gears are spinning, you know, like a genius, you know what I mean? He's very tactically aware um, and, and intellectually present, but he, his personality kind of, like, comes off as, like, playful and, like, chill, like, like, almost like a stoner friend or something, you know what I mean? I just, I just love that about Panda. But holy shit, he ran into fucking Kashimo! Right away. Right away, man. He got smoked, too. Uh, yeah, I got smoked. You know, see, the thing is, okay, so after seeing Hikari's stuff, I am feeling like Kashimo is, um, like, a old-school sorcerer. Definitely. He's got a, he's got a very traditional t technique. Um, and he's looking for Sakuna. He's looking for Sakuna. And he's got like Just... an analog, like, uh, you know, old school Kogane for, from what I can tell so far. Yeah, no, no frills, no weird uh, little extra things. It's just yeah. like little horn tail, classic skull face. Um, yeah. I like that it is a very much like a death's head Kogane with a little, little skull nose mm -hmm. um, going on. Interesting that he like twigged on to like how it uses it. And he's like, hey that dude a player is that bear is that bear a player yeah is it 
Yeah, I wonder what made him. I wonder what made him think like that. You know what I mean? Because obviously, Panda is trying to like be incognito, like and be seen as a regular Mm -hmm. panda, or 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 wild animal to anyone that he comes across that he doesn't want to fight or whatever. But he's like having this moment inside himself where he's like, "Yo, I'm supposed to just be a teddy bear right now. I'm trying to be, you know, not noticed. I don't want people to think I'm a player. I'm supposed to like get this information Mm -hmm. and do what I'm supposed to do." But he's like, "Wait a minute, fuck that. I am a panda. Let me do panda stuff." And then he's like having his little moment, you know. And then Kashimo just conveniently walks out from around the corner, and he's like so shocked and like reacting like a like a person noticing someone coming around the corner, not a panda or not like a wild animal. And maybe that's what Kashimo noticed because then also he's like standing on his feet, I think. The and time. then, and, yeah. And then as soon as Kashimo comes around the corner, he's like, Oh, that's right. I'm a fucking, I'm a teddy bear. Like I'm supposed to be, I'm, a, a I'm supposed to be a wild animal. And then, Ko, and then Kashimo's like, man, wait a minute. Nah. Hey, Kogane, is this a player? Yeah. I think that, that that's how it kind of went. He's like a bear. Yeah. Is this from the fucking zoo? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. This could be a Shigami or something. Yeah. Kogane, it's a player. It's a player. <laughs> yeah, just 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 being safe, be like it shows the tactical, you know, and intellectual competence of Kashimo right away to just be like, mm, something's not right about this. This is kind of random. And this and this and this bear is acting kind of dudeish. So I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna just pull up Kogane just in case. You never know. Uh. <laughs> exactly plus like it's in a shipping yard so it's like why is a bear here right like what like nothing about this is green like like what would draw a bear a panda bear here like not food not water like it's right. like, you know it's it's very bereft of resources that would be useful for a bear right um and the fact that he was like standing up wiping his brow like a man right like, <laughs> like, oh. Yep. Um, like oh shit <laughs> is my yeah, cover dude. blown oh no and then he starts beating his fucking ass and we get this confirmation you know because we know that yeah we know that we know that the first time we saw kashimo you had this fucking like rod and you like he like blew a hole in someone and i think that there was like maybe an electric effect that was left behind you know like mm-hmm. you know in the scene or whatever that you can notice and be like okay so this dude uses electricity but then panda's like nah wait a minute i've taken a couple hits from this motherfucker and it's just like new way like it's cursed energy behaves like a current of electricity. They're in a constant state of electrification, which is just like really interesting um, and cool as fuck. Like what yeah. the fuck? Like what a cool fighting style. But then he's like, ah, oh, shit, it's impossible to defend against something like that. But that's all right. Cause I got a move that's like kind of the same way. And he goes into this unblockable drumming beat and he tried to use this ability at the end of the Shibuya incident against, um, you know, Kenjaku and Uraume. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and he was, like, loading it up, like, just about to do it. And we were all like, what's that about? That looks cool. Unblockable. Holy shit. And then it gets interrupted by, like, I think Uruume, like, flash froze them or something like that, like, as he was about to let it off. So we didn't actually get to see it used. But now we're getting it here. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, we're seeing what it can do, but it's still, like, ineffective. But kashimo you know explains what it is okay it's internal damage so it's kind of like ryo or something or ashigara dokoi in like one piece when sentomaru fucking blasts luffy away in shibandi you know what i mean or whatever it's that internal damage like uh impact dials in uh skypea you know from one piece and whatnot so it's an attack that that works like that but this is just going back to what we were saying in the sakamoto day segment and in the ayashimon segment it's like yes 
hype because we're finally seeing this unblockable drumming beat attack it looks like he has an answer for the ass whooping that he's receiving but just because it's a good idea and a new strategy and something that you feel like is a counter to what you're experiencing doesn't mean it's always going to be effective and that's that like hope slash despair trade-off that like gege is really fucking good at if there's if there's anyone you know to use as an example for a good balance of hope and dread it's definitely akutami gege so i love that we're seeing that here in this conflict because it's like i don't want panda to lose but panda you know is tough and he you know is really with the shits and like he's got a really strong kit on his hands so we thought and then we finally mm. see the fucking like mother mode or or not mother mode the sister, sister mode. mode yeah that he's been holding down since the fucking mechamaru fight in the in the uh in the exchange event uh or the People the good little arc rhino mode but it yeah. reminds me of triceratops straight up oh like, sure if you look at page 15 she's got three horns and like big bug eyes and then like the kind of triceratops like fluted shell yeah dome it is more of like a dinosaur yeah and then when she's getting blown up on like 18 you can see scales and hatch mark for like lizardy skin oh sure yep like very jurassic park um and like that's amazing because like i think it's kind of funny that like I remember Twitter going off about like Hikari's gonna get gapped by Charles. Charles Hikari's gonna get gapped. He's gonna get gapped. He's gonna get gapped. And then we watch Panda get all three of his modes just get the stuffing beat out of him. <laughs> yeah, they literally beat the stuffing out of this cursed doll. And like I love Panda, but he got smoked yeah. hard. Like like pay, page six, literal stuffing and like vital fluids escaping his body. Right. Like. But he, he ate that shit, though. He was, like, right back up, like, ready to fight again, like, in a new form. You know what I mean? So we know that he can take one hell of a hit. And the unblockable drumming beat, um, it looks like it made contact just enough for Kashimo to decipher what kind of attack it was. But before it connected fully, Kashimo kind of, you know, dodges it at, like, the last moment by, like, kind of, like, weaving into, you know, uh, Panda and kind of just, like, so it, like, kind of, like, grazes you. You know, like you feel yourself getting like hit on the shoulder and you kind of like go with the momentum of the strike to to kind of like reduce the effect and kind of like rolled into Panda to get the fucking leverage of the staff over the arm to break it off in the next panel. So like the choreography there was super cool and just like that brief little exchange there, which I liked a lot. Um, You know, when I saw it, I saw him like raise up and doing kind of like that elbow yep. plus the knee block yep. which is like a kung fu thing yep like so he's definitely got like kung fu martial arts training and stuff mm -hmm. um and then i was seeing that his feet were off the ground so part of me was like he took the hit in the air and like un like experienced it understood that it was an internal damage thing he's like oh okay and he's like not bad so it's like he took a little bit of damage. Yeah, but like, gosh, tough mofo. Absolutely. And then rolled into it further into their range, rips off his arm. Yeah, wild. Like, he says he's like, he's like not bad, but not very good either. Yeah. And he's like, you're super average. And I love the like outwitting yourself moment that Panda displays. Yes. Right. He gets like uses his hand arm to like blind him. And just 
he assumes that he's going to be go for behind, punches behind himself, leaves himself wide open. Yep. And then boom, 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 boom. The combo, three-piece with a biscuit, bow, 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 and then poo the palm strike into the fucking boxes behind he him. It's like, yeah. Five bams. He hits that guy five times, and then for the sixth time, just palm strikes him into a crate. Yeah, into a crate. Uh, yeah, that shit was fucking wild. <laughs> what an ass whooping. And then he's like, all right, fuck it, sister mode, here we go. And Kashimo, you know, kind of seems to be able to recognize the threat of sister mode. It's like, holy shit, this is not the same Panda Man that I was fighting a moment ago. And completely switches strategies and was like, this isn't something that I can deal with in hand-to-hand combat like the other two forms. And then instantly goes into this, um, you know, positive and negative charge um built up distribution or whatever or discharge you know what i mean so i think discharge was the was the word that i was looking for there but yeah which is cool because it's like almost like a mini acknowledgement of the threat potential of sister mode so it it definitely is very like gege to not show the full potential of a character before killing them but panda is you know on the a little bit more tougher side like durability and and endurance wise i want to assume so i don't think that panda is entirely out after something like this, even though the damage looks fucking insane, and it's like, how could you possibly survive that? It looks like brains and shit are flying out everywhere. I want to believe that Panda is alive, but like cotton stuffing, etc. Yeah, but this uh, was this was a this was a big deal because <laughs> he is a death doll after yeah, all, made yeah. by the, the vice principal. Mm-hmm. So it's like the principal, I, yeah, principal. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I'll yeah, that yeah. I can't even remember. Uh... What his fucking Yaga. name is no, yaga. No, yaga 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 well, yeah yaga, masamichi I, yaga yeah you're totally right principal yeah. yaga absolutely i always mix him up the name up because like yaga seems like an old man's name so right. i think of the old uh headmaster type guy gakuganji like, yeah there we go mm-hmm. i always get those two names mixed up because i'm just like no nah, one sounds like older you know yeah for sure it, um, I, i'm right there with you <laughs> but i love the that triceratops mode because that's cool that looks cool she she reminds me of like like a ranger reject bad guy yeah like, straight up executive yeah know, like, she do look kind of executive ish yeah and i love the little dialogue like the little personality that panda gives her the very brief line of dialogue like my big sister is a shy girl anyone who meets her eyes she kills to hide her embarrassment you know what i mean so it's like berserker yeah like that's probably like not like the explanation for it but that's just a cool way to explain like how ruthless and vicious this form of his is you know what i mean it's just like cool little badass dialogue subtext like that it it makes sense because it's like there's a dinosaur right like a panda and a gorilla are animals that can be kept in captivity and like are handleable but like we can't do that. We have several movies of why that's not a thing right. with dinosaurs. So like, yeah. the raw animal power of a dinosaur is just like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a killer. Like, yeah. this is what, no. Right. Um, the technique like, of Kashimo, though. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I like the technique. I was just yeah. about to go into that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the fact that it's like while it's a hand-to-hand situation, they're boxing with you and planting these positive charges on you. At the same time, every punch landed creates a negative charge inside of Kashimo. And then whenever hand-to-hand combat becomes not an option, 
<laughs> Kashimo can just discharge all of the negative, you know, charges that he's stacked up inside of himself that immediately attack towards the positive charges that were left on the enemy from their hand-to-hand -hand endeavors. So, like, it's undodgeable, just like a sure hit technique inside of a domain, but without actually having to expand one. So it's, like, uh, really broken if that... I think that's the way that I kind of, like, understood it, because it's like, Kashimo separates yeah. the cursed energy's charge like electricity. When striking an opponent, a positive charge is transferred. And the negative charge in Kashimo is discharged to the target without losing any electricity toward the ground. This results in lightning that rends the air and can't miss without a need to cast a domain so it's basically like i tag you a bunch physically hand to hand boom 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 positive charge positive charge positive charge negative charges are building up inside of me once we stop boxing i can send those negative charges to you the target that has yeah. the positive charges on it and it's just like has to go to it it's like instantly like attracted to it you know what i mean like it i i imagine it as he's splitting or they are splitting the uh charge like cursed energy charge mm -hmm. they hit them they create that like difference of like po overwhelming positive energy and they s hold on to that negative energy and then when they want to release it they alter their cursed energy so that it creates an equilibrium and that realignment to create a equilibrium causes the lightning. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool uh, too. Absolutely. I think I think that's because it reminded like we were talking about like a Yashimon, right? Where it's like the absorption of heat, like heat is naturally dissipated. So like like even electricity is a very similar concept where it's like you know negative and positive charges they always try to find like an equilibrium, and so by he's weaponized that equilibrium that he is used to build up during the physical fight. Mm-hmm uh that's so wild yeah that's just that's like terrifying. so cool like yeah like that's such a tight ability like it's it sounds like something that you would see like in a video game <laughs> you oh, know whoa. i just thought of something higuruma is like the ideal counter to this guy yeah the lawyer because yeah. he's like hey did you do this thing and if kashimo doesn't want to play he'll just like say whatever and then the judge will be like you're guilty no technique guilty guilty no technique and so it doesn't matter if he can do that or not he yeah. just can't use that ability and then it's just a physical fight Higuruma is like a hard counter to like everybody with, with with that kind of like aspect to his fucking like domain it's like if i put you in my you know in my courtroom and find you guilty like taking away someone's technique is a hard counter to like anybody <laughs> you know what i mean because like their technique is like everything for these fighters true, so true. well not everything but because yeah. like Kashimo is like a little bit like yuji yeah where it's like because yuji does like the sun woo the breaker kind of thing where he hits the black fash there's the second impact kind of like that booming drum mm. is what reminds me of because like sun woo like punched um like the water tank and then it explodes out the back end yeah yeah kind of thing yeah so i just i i feel like their their abilities are in the similar very similar vein um so by like sealing their cursed energy that would be the most immediate problem because like kashimo's energy like electrified state of electrification seems like a way method of using one's aura in a similar way to like hikari where his aura is jagged mm. so i feel like they're similar in that aspect oh yeah 
yeah, this this eventual Kashimo versus Hikari conflict is going to be is going to be fucking insane, especially after he just fucking faded Panda. Like, you know, Hikari's like right hand in the culling games. It's like, oh no, when he finds out like that Panda got done in by Kashimo, that's just going to add more emotion to their fight, and it's just mm-hmm. going to be a sight to behold. So I wonder if like Panda's going to survive this one. I think like, so. He's like. Because he's like, hey, tell me about Sukuna, and I'll let you, I won't kill you. Yeah. So, like, does this mean that Panda, valuing his own life, gives information? And, like, if so, how accurate is that information? How in-depth is that information? Yeah. How much is he willing to give for his life? Yeah, he's then- either going to say, like, I'm not telling you shit. Or he's going to lie and tell, like, half-truths to, like, you know, that won't put Yuji in danger because he's thinking about Yuji, you know, the first time she asked him about it. He's like, hey, you know where Sukun is at? And he's like, hold on, what page is it? Uh, I think I have an uncle that name. Yeah, hold on, what page is it? Uh, 14. Yeah, 14. Do you know where Sukuna is? And then he instantly thinks, what do they want Sukuna for? I doubt it's good for Itadori. He's like, no. So he's, like, clearly trying to protect... Yuji, I don't, I can't see him in the sake of self-preservation selling Yuji out just to live. Um, so I think that he either just says "fuck you" and dies, maybe, or something else happens that interrupts them before he can be executed, but still doesn't give the information. Or he is just like, "Okay, I'll tell you what you want to know," but you know, does it like Sun Raku would, where he gives you like just enough information to make mm-hmm. it sound like he's told you everything you want to know, but hasn't given you the it's true information? Method. Yeah, exactly. So because it's like, all right. He's definitely not dead by the end of the chapter because after this crazy attack, Kashimo is still trying to talk to him. You know what I mean? Like, blood is, like, spurting everywhere. The last panel is now where Sukuna. So he's clearly still trying to have a conversation with Panda despite this ridiculous amount of damage that Panda just took, so... And it's a good way because he, like... Because he used... They used the, the Kogane to, like, figure out if he's a player. So, like, they're also going to use the Kogane to, like... They're not dead yet. I haven't been given points. They're still alive. Hey, oh. where's the dude? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Kogane has to. Kogane has to tell him you have five points. Yeah, and that hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not. I do not want to hear Kogane five points added. To I know. Please, no, not Panda. I wonder what Kashima wants Sukuna for. Like, do you think it's going to be because they want revenge or there's some kind of, like, grudge that they had back in the day or something? Do you think it's going to be a fight or do you think it's, like, it wants to be, like, a conversation? Like, yo, I'm trying to work, you know, with you again. I used to be on your team back in the day type shit. Like, let's get, an admirer. Yeah, like, let's get, let's, let's like, get the old gang back together type shit. And, like, there was a moment where Sukuna is like, oh, you don't understand what a concept of a curse is. Like, he was talking down to, like, Jogo sentient course other sentient curses like oh you have no idea what you really are mm-hmm. and so part of me wonders if kashimo is kind of like an adherent to like was like the old timey adherent to ryom and sakuna because they're just like i like what you're saying but like none of the world seems to be there yet mm. and now that they've got this second lease on life they're like hey you know this is a new world Sakuna has to be here, right? right like, right. Sakuna was so strong, they have to be here. I'm gonna go find them and see if they've spread their ideology or, like, if their teachings have been accepted yet or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they're not, they don't seem like 
actively malicious, right? right? Like, they're not, like, cruel, but they're definitely efficient and yeah. lethal. They got a goal. It's like, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to get this money. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. And anyone that gets in my way that I, like, stumble across is, is, is getting, you know, the business because I need these points because they're going to give me the ability to add the rules that I want to add to the game that will help me accomplish my goals. It's not mm-hmm. just running around you know, and massacring people willy-nilly. I mean, everyone is kind of doing that. But I, I see what you're saying, though, in regard to, like, how he doesn't really feel too malicious. You know Yeah, I mean? yeah. Just feel, he just feels motivated to accomplish yeah. something. I think that, like, I, I imagine him, like, being admi- admir- like admiring Sukuna is when he, like, was basically grading Panda. Yeah. He was like, oh, you know, that's okay. Nah, uh, you're actually kind of weak. Yeah. No, no, yep, that's yep. it. Weak as hell, yep. Matter of fact, and so I think that he respects strength or seeks out strength for whatever purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about Kashimo because they've made a ton of impact yeah. off this chapter for me. Oh, like, yeah. I am deeply invested in, like, my curiosity. Same. But otherwise, a pretty straightforward chapter. Like, we got, like, everything kind of just laid out on the sleeve. It's like we switched to the panda perspective. Panda's having, like, an internal struggle where he's like, yo, I'm supposed to be hiding, but, like, I'm totally a panda. I should love the fact that I'm a panda and be a panda. And then, like, that kind of made him run into Kashimo. Kashimo wants to find Sukuna, thinks that he can get information from panda about Sukuna because of the way that panda reacted when he asked him about it. They square up. We get information about panda's techniques we get information about kashimo's techniques and then kashimo just beats the shit out of him and continues his interrogation pretty straightforward um but beautiful chapter regardless i love that we switch perspectives here um i i, I wonder if we're going to go back to hikari after this or if we're going to continue you know this scene in the next chapter or if we go somewhere else inside of tokyo colony too Ooh, i imagine that like the first half of the chapter is gonna or like most of the first next chapter is like Kashimo getting information out of Panda, and Panda is just like, Sukuna's one of my friends, and like one of the people I'm looking for, and then they're like, who are you looking for? A friend. Do you know their name? I'm not gonna tell you. And he's like, I'll kill you. And he's like, well then you'll never know. And yeah. he's like, whatever. I'll get the information from someone else. Then you gotta have more friends. I think Kashimo he's friends with a Panda. <laughs> Like I think, but then Kashimo would be like, you know what, I'm going to keep you alive so that anybody you view as a friend, I'm immediately going after. Mm. You know? And then forcing him along. Yeah, that's cool. Like, uh, he's got that like Sun Wukong kind of vibe, so I could see Kashimo just having, beating the stuffing out of Panda and like riding him around as like kind of like a shame thing. It's like, well, you're not really cooperating with me, but you gave me a little bit, so I'll let you live. But you're not going to like it. Right. Um, also, because he's like, hmm, you're cool. You turned into a gorilla. You turned into a triceratops. Nasty. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And so I just imagine him having, like, I want the novelty of riding a panda. That's, that's what I want. Um, uh-huh. Hopefully. And then cut to Hikari just having absolutely dominated Charles. It's like, Yes, nerd. <laughs> yeah, and then he's hype off that. Like, all right, got that, got got this dude out of here real quick. That was fun. Wonder where Panda is. Just like Sees dismembered Panda body. Yeah, 
being used as a mount. Oh, like, used as a mount would be fucked up. Panda's not going out like that. Absolutely. Yeah, not. but like no. that would definitely set Hikari off. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think that like if Kashimo's like, oh, it's one of your friends. Well, they probably wouldn't like this. So yeah. I'm going to do this so that even if you don't point them out, they'll point themselves out. Yeah. That kind of thing. I just want to hope that Panda is, you know. I just want him to live. Yeah, I want him to live, and I, like, hope that he's, you know, a real one till the end, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's constantly looking out for his people. You know, he thinks about, like, others, like, a lot more than I feel like other people think about others. I feel like that's, like, a defining trait inside yeah. of Panda, that he's just, like, the wholesome, like, uncle, dad, kind of, like, make sure everyone is, like, cool, you know, like, kind of, like, group yeah. mom in that way. You know what I mean? I so, think... like, I don't want to, I don't want to see him selling out Yuji or becoming a subordinate of Kashimo for the sake of his, like, of self-preservation or something like that. I want him to go out like a thug or just, like, manipulate Kashimo in some kind of way because he is wildly intelligent at the end of the day. So I think he can talk himself out of a situation if he needed to. I'm hoping so. I'm yeah. hoping so. It's like, I feel like, of course, you, Panda, like, values everything because mm-hmm. of his, like, extremely unique existence. Mm-hmm. He's a very lonely individual, and so, like, the fact that he has any people to care about is, like, you know, more precious, and he's, like, more willing to think about them right. than the average person who's like, yeah, no, if, if I, if I, you know, most people are like, you know, if I upset somebody, I can go out to any place and I can meet five new people, that kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Ooh. I, um, yeah, epic, epic chapter. Um, I don't think I had anything else for for Jujutsu this week, though. Mm-mm. All right, good shit. That'll do it for Jujutsu Kaisen, chapter 184. All right, moving into My Hero Academia, chapter 352. Ultimate Moves. Beautiful chapter. Yeah, this was really cool. And, like, I've been waiting with anticipation for, like, a My Hero chapter. Like, yeah, finally got My Hero back. <laughs> oh, finally. It's been so long, baby. You look as beautiful as the day I left you. <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's been really good. Uh, this was another one. Uh, this is something that we've talked about a lot on our show um, before with, like, translational differences between the series. Um, mm. there's, there's parts that... Um, I think that the the fan translations um, for TCB was really solid. I like the language. It's I feel like a little more clear, especially on like um, like two three when he's explaining his ability. Mm-hmm. So like in, in the official translation, we we talk about like my old man sought out ice that could stifle that inner heat, mm-hmm. uh, which to me. I was like, okay, I mean, I, I guess, but, like, he was talking about, like, my old man wanted to reduce the body's internal temperature by introducing ice as a coolant, and so having the, you know, the original, the, the official says, I'm going in the other direction, and then the TCB is like, I on the hand, I'm doing the opposite. I found the TCB was much more um, clear yeah. about what was going on with his ability, because I was like, what do you mean the other direction of like stifling heat and then saying oh instead of having heat to uh, with a ice as a coolant he's going for freezing with heat to keep himself from shutting down right and i was like that makes way more sense to me so like at first i was like 
I don't quite get it. I mean, I can see the effects of what he's saying mm -hmm. because it's a visual medium. But like, I think linguistically, I was not quite there until yeah. I read the DCV, um, which is something I don't always do. Like, I did this like today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I usually try to, I probably read the TCB for everything, you know, that I read that comes out on it. So like One Piece, Jujutsu Kaisen, and My Hero Academia specifically. So I'll usually, um, you know, read that on Friday and then read the chapter again on Sunday officially. But um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, I, and obviously I don't read the Raws, you know, like for any of these manga or whatever. But, but something, I have a feeling, an intuition, something tells me that the TCB translations are a lot closer too literal than you know the viz translations are or the viz translations yeah. are usually you know what i mean i feel like viz takes a little bit more liberties or you know um simplifies uh you know certain lines of dialogue for the sake of whatever um american audiences or you know a, a, a combination of different reasons and factors or whatever but for some reason tcb just feels like a lot better a lot more of the time than viz translations usually do it yeah, it feels more fluid in this one, especially yeah. like the way the language comes off. I'm just like, okay, yeah, this this linguistically makes sense to me. This reads more naturally, yeah. I think. Yeah, like especially on this, um, I don't know, if I had to point one out just because I'm looking at the page. Uh, where is it? Uh, hold on one second. Why is it always so hard for me to find the thing once I start looking for it? Okay, so he comes out of the thing. Oh, yeah, burning and them take the shit. Okay, page 10. Heat that can even burn me. I'm sorry, you guys. And then Burnin's like, quit it. Save your energy. And then he's like, just let me say one thing then. Thank you. Right? And then that's the viz. But then in the TCB, like, those flames were hot enough to have burnt me for sure. Thank you. And Burnin's like, I told you, don't waste your energy. And then he says, if I had to summarize all my thoughts into one phrase... All I'd say is, thank you so much. You know what I mean? And that, like, line of, like, dialogue across those three panels, I feel like does more for the scene, right? Because yes. because in the Viz, he just says, heat that can burn me. I'm sorry, you guys. But then in the TCB, he says, those flames were hot enough to have burnt me for sure. Kind of uh, emphasizing the fact that Burnin and the others took that hit for him. Yes. You know like what I they mean? They absorbed, like, they doled the impact yeah. of that. And, yeah. Like, Those flames it, were hot enough to have burnt me for sure if these guys didn't block it. It's, 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 it's conveyed a lot um, more vividly in the TCB than heat that can even burn me, dot, dot, dot. I'm sorry, you guys. It's like it doesn't, it doesn't like really like hit the same. Like we know that they jumped in front of the attack and took it for him. So whatever, you can fill in the gaps. But linguistically, yeah. that just slaps harder. And then for him to say, if I had to summarize all my thoughts into one phrase, all I'd say is thank you so much. That feels so much more personal and so much more like I want to say so many things to you guys right now. But all I'm going to say is thank you because I'm supposed to be saving my energy and not wasting time. But in the Viz, it's just like, let me just say this then. Thank you. And it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't hit as hard in the official as it does in the TCB. Considering that this is supposed to be very emotional stuff going on right now. You Even really the font is different. Too. Yeah. It's like, like, the thank you is like, okay, you know, it's, uh, it's not quite Comic Sans. But, like, it's a little blocky. Whereas, like, the thank you so much from TCB is, like, very... Um, sketchy like yeah. it's like bursting out of him ripping right. out of him it's very quick 
it gives that feeling. Um, there was this one uh, where I think it's like six and seven, right? Where they are fighting each other and... Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Perfect. Just an average job. That was this. That was fine. But the page seven. Page where seven. He's like, okay. Page seven was the one where uh, they're talking about like a the limitation is like we might share the same. It's like even though we should. We're, okay, so DCB is like. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me start this again. I yeah, just, yeah. I'm flipping two, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing wires. My yeah, no, like, you're you good. Know, yeah, I could, okay. I could so, tell that that's what was going on too. I was like, oh shit, so, let me let me find the page on TCB and let me yeah. find the page on Viz. Yeah, for sure. So for Viz, they say uh, you go on and on about right and wrong choices. We might share the same blood, but we ended up real different. We is like the limitations of a superpowered society. That's us. You hear me? A warped rail can never mingle with a straight and narrow one. And he talks about running in parallel but forever apart. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense given the context. But I liked um, the language of Dobby and the TCB scan. He's like, what a wonderful sense of morality you have, brother. I always knew it. Even though we're bounded by blood, we're nothing alike. This is a side effect of superhuman society. We are the absolute limit. Once you stray from the right path, there's no turning back. Yeah, and it feels more it has more personality impactful. to it. It it sounds yeah. like he's like giving a backhanded compliment to Shoto at first mm -hmm. in the TCB dialogue bubble at the top, where he says, huh, "What a wonderful sense of morality you have, brother." That seems like more of a personal attack, a more like a jibe. Like, yeah, like a jab. You know what I mean? Like a like a like a like a rivalry, like brother to brother, like personal jab. You know, like making fun of his platitudes <laughs> and his sense of morality. But then in the Which viz, it's just does, you go right? on and on about right and wrong choices. It's like it just doesn't hit the same. Sounds like a, he's tired of hearing. Yeah, it. like on a personal, like brother level, you know, like what a wonderful sense of morality you have, brother. Slaps harder than you go on and on about right and wrong choices. It's because like, because like Dobby's more about like mockery. Mm -hmm. and exactly. Like, exactly. And like dragging people down as opposed to ignoring them because right. he pays very close attention to people despite his you know aloof initial introduction right um and then the whole like i just felt like the side effect of superhuman society we are the absolute limit was just like that, that's just that just goes hard that's just yeah. a really hard line instead of saying like the limitations of superpowered society that's us because like what does that mean like are they symbolic of the limitations of superpowered society that that like once you know using your powers for evil you can never be redeemed that the idea because like if you go with like a warped rail can never mingle the straight and narrow ones like we have powers the moment you use your powers for evil you can never be redeemed you can never change you cannot mingle with things whereas opposed to like the tcb thing is just like you know we are the absolute limit. We are constantly pushing forward. And then, yeah, I don't know. There's. Yeah, I feel you. I feel, I feel what you're saying. Linguistically things. Yeah, that, I that smell what you're stepping in, fam. Yeah. Going um, back to earlier in the chapter, though, like when he's explaining mm -hmm. the, uh, the ability. Um, and then fucking uh, 
oh shit what the fuck is this dude's name the lightning dude kamina kamino Denki, uh, Denki. <laughs> where, where was I getting that? Anyway, Denki is, yeah, he's he's poking the fucking fire or whatever. It's like, look, I could poke all I want without feeling the heat. Cool, right? And initially, I I was like, okay, well then, like, what effect is this going to have if there's no heat, no cold, and it's just like the aesthetic of fire? Like, is this going to be like a concussive situation? Like, is he hitting him just like, you know, concussively? Mm. It, you know, like since there's no heat or cold. At least not from what I like gathered with the Denki scene, I if it, it felt like there was just no like feeling at all at first, but it, clearly it's just not hot, and there is a cooling element to it that allows it to like come in contact with come in contact with Dobby's fire and cool it down to a certain degree. Because I think that's exactly what he says. He's like, so he's got himself a body that can withstand scorching heat, and he found the power to chill my own inferno. So so that lets me know that like if if he had his own fire. If it was just fire versus fire, the flames would be going together and increasing the heat for both of them. And obviously Dobby doesn't give a fuck about what kind of damage his body takes, but Shoto would. So he has to introduce this cooling element to create this like equilibrium. You know what I mean? And it has to cool down Dobby's situation at least a little bit, which obviously it says that it does. But when I was looking at it, I was like, okay, it can't just be a fire on fire conflict because then it'll be too hot for Shoto. Um, but then this cooling element brings down the heat of Dobby's fire while also seeming to have some kind of impact on Dobby so maybe it is like kind of concussive to a certain degree it's really hard with these um elemental attacks right because it's like mm -hmm. what is forcing Dobby back here it's not a blade of ice that hit his chest and sent him flying it's some other kind of force and it's like what is the property of this force if it's not hot but it's not really cold either because Denki didn't say like, oh, it's cold, you know, so it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It felt like it was explaining like a situation similar to like Dopo Wakari in, uh, in Ayashimon and how he a has like bit. that flame that kind of like steals heat or whatever, you know what I mean? So like that's kind of like helping me get like a, a better visual. But then there's still like the I hit you with something and sent you flying and it's like what properties does your attack have? that could produce that kind of force and impact. So that's why I thought it was concussive initially. Yeah. But um, I don't know. As I read it, like, it took me a couple reads, honestly, to get through this, um, to, like, figure out what was going on. But that's just, like, you know, that's my limitation as a reader a little bit. Right. Um, and, like, maybe if this is, like, a color spread for that fight, that, like, Icebound Crash, Cold Flames, Pale Blade... I would have realized that he's literally just causing this giant, like, mini avalanche to manifest out of him. Um, mm. And, like, just hitting him with a fuck ton of snow all at once. Um, okay. So he's using uh, the... He's using the... Um the effect that he explains in the beginning of the chapter to be able to endure a close quarters encounter with Dobby in the first place. And then now that he has used this version of his flash fire fist that combines cold and hot blood or whatever to give him the defense that he needs to come this close to Dobby in the first place, considering Dobby's flames are too hot for Shoto normally. So now he enters this state that allows him to take more heat and get closer to Dobby. And then maybe the icebound crash cold flames pale blade is just like a, a more ice heavy extension of that effect to produce this effect that knocks him back. 
I think, yeah, yes. Uh, that so he's added it, more to this attack than what was originally explained in the beginning of the chapter for the yes. sake of dealing damage to Dobby. Okay, yes. okay, okay. Uh, it, it's A, a defensive measure, but then mm. it is also it serves as a supportive measure because mm. in the first uh, introduction of Shoto's powers when he's going against um, Deku, he only used his ice powers, and he was like, I'm slowing down my body shutting off because I'm too cold. And mm-hmm. then he uses his flame powers and, like, reaches a balance. And then we've kind of focused on him accepting his fire side, but this is a reverse where he's like, I'm not overly dependent on my fire side. I'm still embracing the cold side. Yeah. And, like... I shouldn't have to compete with my brother and my father to prove whose flame is best. I was born with ice, so I'm going to finish this with ice, and I'm using my uh, cold heat heart circulation method to survive using ice to a degree that I couldn't before. Yeah. And that's where I was like, okay, this makes sense now. And yeah, I, I like that a lot. A couple times. It's working in both um, ways. It's like, okay, I'm definitely making sure that I don't overheat by using this cooling system to allow myself to get closer to Dobby. But then I'm also using the heat from that exact same balance to allow myself to reach colder temperatures in my attack against Dobby. Yeah, because we've seen him like you know do like the big you know icicle blasts, but like. We haven't really seen too much of that since, but like the great glacial agar or um, the frozen tsunami. <laughs> that shit was is nuts. Nutty. Like that, he froze city, like a whole city block in a radius yeah. around him. Yeah. Like there's like s- buildings in the background that are still frozen that are like not in the foreground that are right. frozen too. Right, like, right. He's he like like a whole block at least, maybe two. Yeah. Um and that's he's at the epicenter of that. Um the thing that I thought was interesting, I really liked the um official's name for the great glacial agar mm-hmm. because um agar is a type of sea and is mm. actually um a giant from Norse mythology nice. of the sea. Yeah. And so like they are like it's the north so it's like the frozen sea right like Mm -hmm. because it's norse it's mostly thing but like eger is the son of forn yotr um which translates roughly into early or old destroyer which pretty much sums up you know endeavor pretty well yeah um that's tight eger um had a brother named logi who was in charge of fire. So Logi is basically oh, wow. Dobby. Yeah. And then... Yo, um, that's cool. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. They're, that's they're all giants, tight. right? Yeah, yeah. And so, um, like, Fornyotr had one, two, three, four, five, six children. Endeavor had a ton of children like yeah, he has, so uh, like the four? whole idea of like lineage and having like giants ha- struggling with their own power and like mm-hmm. being embodiments of elements and stuff which i thought was pretty cool and then like i liked the idea of like him being like the ocean mm-hmm. was like that's cool i like that yeah that's super like tight um the last double page spread like totally reminded me of Chainsaw Man just in the way that it concluded with like 
the flashback oh. of like the brothers and shit like as children or not the flashback but just like the imagery of yeah the imagery of you know young shoto and young dobby you know in the final spread before it actually shows the the conclusion of the fight with dobby you know defeated and shoto you know literally like connected to him you know after punching his fucking lights out with this cold attack like it just reminded me of and reminded a lot of people of uh of chainsaw man i think i even saw on twitter someone mm-hmm. was like chainsaw man did it better or something like that and then, and then someone was like what's the point of comparison of comparing these things like these are two completely different situations and like two completely different characters that mean completely different things to the plot and themselves like why is this even a comparison right now and then like someone was like oh because of the imagery of like them as children during the fight and it's like oh why? no children yeah. i mean why is that a... flashbacks is like a staple of manga and like sure like... aesthetically like there's like a lot you know that's similar about this last page you know because if you look at the the last page of the of the aki and and denji fight it kind of like ends similarly with aki like hanging on denji after being defeated or whatever so like that's mm-hmm. cool too but like is aesthetics enough to you know create toxic discourse on the internet like what like what compels people to to see a scene uh, get reminded of I... another one and then instantly go one is better than the other it's like why does that have to be an argument why does that have to be a conversation just because um, things are aesthetically similar it's so stupid to me <laughs> i think that like because like the, sh- the shared scenery is like but like in manga like there's a lot of scenery like scenes where there's just like we are family we are friends we loved each other for whatever reason we are pitted against each other and like we fight each other and like even though we were violent towards each other we still want to embrace each other and so there's always that like leaning on a person that you've defeated like that's happened in naruto that's happened in trigun like right so many series it's just like I think that for like Twitter and stuff, I feel like it's just them saying like, "Ooh, here's a low hang fruit. I'm gonna say this is better." And then if people argue with me, that means my tweet gets content. yeah, sure, likes, dislikes. No such comments. thing as bad publicity or whatever the fucking yeah, shit. But it's, it's just like, it's, dude, it's... you can notice a similarity in something without drawing lines in the fucking sand. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. have to, like, see that something is similar to something else. You could just say Chainsaw Man vibes. This was really cool or something. Like, why do you have yeah. to instantly think about which one did it better? Like, you've been on uh, the internet way too fucking long. <laughs> incendiary comments tend to generate more traction with comments That's and, right. like, That's interaction. Right. Yeah. And that, the algorithm literally feeds feeds on that sure. and, like, pushes that stuff to the top. Yeah. So, like, that's the stuff that we see all the time. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of people that I follow, and they follow me back, and we're like, oh, yeah, that was pretty cool. But, like, those are not the things that I see immediately. <laughs> right. Ah, uh, yeah. But, Tech um, talks for another day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have anything else for My Hero this week, man? I I really liked, I really liked what this meant for Shoto, right? Because yeah. he always struck like I like that this is kind of like his acceptance of his intent. Like this is his full circle. I've come to accept both parts of myself. And for a long time, he's like, I didn't. I've rejected the fire. Now I've accepted it. And then he's like, I'm not going to hold on to this fire and make it a contest of fire because that was the problem that started all this anyway. And I have all this anyway, so why don't I just apply the same logic but reverse it and 
it worked out for him. It worked great. Like that's that's actually like a really smart thing to be like, I can do catastrophic amounts of ice damage without hurting myself now right. because he's found thermal equilibrium and I think it's very poetic that he's circling it around his heart and the idea that like um, he's not overtaken by his burning passions but also not like cold and cut off and that he's found like this nice balance between the two because like his whole um, quirk initially was called half hot half cold Mm -hmm. whereas now it's more like hot and cold right yeah that's tight so yeah i appreciate that kind of like um personal balance conceptual you know um signal or or conceptual like showing of his growth you know what i mean it was half Mm -hmm. cold half hot before now the explanation it it makes more sense to be cold and hot rather than one or the other Mm -hmm. yeah i really appreciate this and also i think it's important that like I th- it, it was mentioned in the beginning, um, and this is another translation difference, but like the TCB said, um, it's like, you know, father's annoyed that he won't be able to keep his promise, but we'll let that be his punishment. You know, the others made a wise decision. Dobby's a product of our family's sins. Uh, besides, if I want to become a hero, this is the one fight I can't run away from. And I yeah. really liked that. And like, Maybe that's because I came from the Bible Belt and I was raised in a pretty religious environment. So, like, you know, the idea of, like, the sins of the father passed to the son, that's the language I was very familiar with. So maybe it's just something I relate better to. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's, um, because in the official, it's like, you know, um, if my old man is going to gripe about not fulfilling his promise, if we think of it as a punishment, then Hawks and them made a wise choice. Dive's existence is my family's crime. Besides, in order to reach the heights I'm aiming for, I can't run from this. But, like, it feels a little more clinical in, in the official more clinical? translation. Like, the, his, the language, like, Dobby's yeah. existence is my family's crime. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it feels like a very sterile way to say, like, he fucked up. Right. Um, I just want to confirm then, that that's what you said, because you kind of cut out for yeah, a sec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, clinical. And then, like, saying, besides, in order to reach the heights I'm aiming for, I can't run from this. Um... It sounds like he has ambitions, which is, like, his father's problem, as opposed to, like, the DCB ones. Like, if I want to become a hero, period, I can't run from this fight. Yeah. And I'm just, like, that just feels, like, better resolve from, like, a better place of the heart. Yeah. And, like, constantly, like, weaving, like, the established, you know, rules, unspoken and spoken rules of heroism... You know what I mean? Like, they're constantly rehashed in My Hero Academia. Like, what it means to be a hero is very clearly defined in this story, whether it's, like, through, like, straight dialogue and exposition or, like, shown through the actions and, like, internal monologues of of characters and whatnot. But, like, we know exactly what My Hero Academia as a story believes the proper, like, way of the hero is. You know what I mean? And to constantly have those principles woven, you know, organically into the character arcs of everyone involved in the story just makes a a really great feeling narrative you know what i mean like all things are being considered and all things work together to produce effects and conflict resolution you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it feels thorough it feels well planned it feels you know like someone who still has a really good handle on their story and it make and they better because we're almost towards the end you know what i mean but a lot of like for a lot of series the wheels like start to fall off the wagon 
you know, around like this around this point where, you know, it almost feels entirely different than, you know, the what was established in the beginning that made us fall in love with yeah. it in the first place. And we're still here for the ride because we want to see the conclusion of the story. But it feels like so a lot of stories end up feeling so disconnected from, you know, the initial, um, you know, atmosphere of premise. the story in the beginning yeah. and the premise and the and the and the concepts and whatnot that laid down the foundation the foundation for the narrative a lot of times end up getting forgotten about, you know what I mean? Or they get away from mm -hmm. the writer. You know what I mean? Like I feel like this is a complaint I hear about people when they talk about Naruto and how like the end yeah. of Naruto feels starkly different than the beginning of Naruto. It's kind of what of... lost me on Naruto because yeah. I remember like the I fell in love with like the tactical yeah like, type shit like combat stuff and like the choreography sneaky and, like, sleights of hand like, and deception just, and behind just... the back strategies yeah and then it became sort of a power series and I was yeah. like this is this is a little off to me I was like hey, we're going to be stealthy. Fireballs forever! And I'm yeah. just like, what the fuck happened Or just here? like, kaiju summon battle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, Pokemon yeah, battle. Yeah, I feel like in my hero, <laughs> yeah. this is like, they've kept through that very well. They've kept and that like, energy the whole time. Like, they are, they are constantly so calling well, back yeah. to that writing. You know what I mean? Like, this, like, for Toto, Shoto's arc... This is super satisfying for me. I love this. Um, and, like, I wonder if Dobby's going to have any... Like, he has a little bit of face left. I wonder if he's going to have any left for an actual funeral. And, like... Oh, shit. If this fight was enough to... Because he was, like, planning to die anyway. He was fighting with no intentions of survival. Oh, you think he's dead here? I wonder if he's going to survive... Like, even if he's alive after this fight, mm -hmm. I don't know how long he's going to survive. Right. Because we've definitely and, seen in My Hero Academia that people, you know, survive the initial trauma, you know, that they, um, mm -hmm. the physical, like, damage that they receive when the fight is going on. And then look at Night Eye. Brought, Night him, Eye, brought him to a hospital and he died later. You know what I mean? Midnight, so, like. Yeah. Um, and so I, I imagine something along that lines. But if he lingers, I think it'd be important for Mama Todoroki mm. to be there. And, like, even though, like, your son is a monster by most people's standards, including society, especially in society, but, like, it's still, you know, part of you. Right. And anything that you loved, even a small bit, even if that love is in the past, mm -hmm. um, you know, closure is important. Right. Especially for like a multi generational trauma that is the Todoroki family. I think right. closure would be really important. And like, I think it's like, um, like, I per like, it's like when anything dies in your family, you should make a point to like try to be there for someone in their dying moments or like at least to be there for the funeral or something. Right. Um, like when I, when like I have a lot, I've had a lot of cats in my life. Like, mm -hmm. I try, when we had to put down a cat, I'm there through the injection to comfort them till they die. Right. And I do that every single time because I feel like that's love. It's important. That's important. Yeah. Like I like, I mean, that's how movies are portrayed, right? Like old, the old man in the bed and he's like, Oh, I'm surrounded by my family. Right. I've done a beautiful job raising all these, these beautiful children. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you want that, right? Like, Absolutely. Like that. Um, not to get 
too morose. But right, 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 it's right. Just, it's just something that I'm thinking about as form of like character story resolution. Yeah. It's more than just the individual combatants. Yeah, I wonder what kind of closure we're going to get for the Todoroki family now that like, you know, the brother versus brother physical conflict is over. Because mm-hmm. like we know that Horikoshi Kohei cares a great deal about this family. He centered them you know, in the plot a great deal between Endeavor and Natsu and Dobby and Todoroki. Like, they've taken up a lot of the, the narrative. So I know that he's got, like, a pretty epic conclusion planned out. We've already gotten the physical side of that. So I can't wait to see what, like, the introspective character side looks like because, like, that's, like, a major strength of, of Kohei in this story is the Todoroki subplot. So I'm excited to see how that gets wrapped up. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all I had for My Hero this week, though. Did you have anything else? No, I feel like I, I feel pretty satisfied. All right, good shit. That'll do it for My Hero Academia, chapter 352. All right, moving into the final chapter of the night, the Peace Daily Zestance, One Piece Wa, chapter 1049, The World That Should Be. Got this cover page, cover story, German 66's Ah, No Emotionless, or Ah, An Emotionless Excursion, volume 11. Why? The book in the lab burned up, freeing the brothers. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember the last one again. I think it was the one they with Brule uh, uh, and the... Cracker. We're at the mirror. Yeah, and he is like excited. Yeah, hold and, on, I'm about uh, to pull it up. She was reaching into the book. Yeah. And then the Who's other guy the... was like, yeah, exclamation it's... point, candy cane. Yeah, she's reaching. Okay, so she's looking at the mirror, and she's like Reiju and like what is that Ichiji or some shit? I can't even remember. Off the top I of my always head. can't. One of the brothers, Reiju and one of the brothers, she's like noticing them coming to Chocolate Town or whatever, and informing Cracker. And then in this one, the book in the lab burned up, freeing the brothers. I wonder how that even happened. Is that like because of Reiju and the other brother somehow? I can't even remember like what their elements are or properties of their abilities oh. are or whatnot at this point but yeah i always get them mixed up to be honest yeah, me like too. very similar outfits someone got a firepower on the team i don't know yeah um and we might find out in the next one and just like have kind of like a reveal like yeah. it was i that set the fire the book ablaze yeah yeah kind of moment yeah could be something like that yeah either way the bros are free they're about to cause Ooh. some kind of havoc i'm sure but Getting into the chapter, we got this uh, crazy conclusion to the Kaido versus uh, Luffy conflict here. And this flashback was cool. A lot of people were uh, upset that this is all the flashback that we got for Kaido before he was defeated. But I still think that there's more Kaido flashback that we're going to get, personally. I think that um, the next chapter could open up with more Kaido flashback, you know, before some kind yeah. of like final word or something. Maybe, like, the flashback is going on, like, while... Luffy is walking up to him after defeating him and then like the flashback ends so that Kaido can say like some kind of you know last minute thing to Luffy before like losing consciousness or some shit I could totally see it happening like that oh, either way man. I think that other if, if not though then this was like a super glossed over like Kaido backstory it's like you think about like the end of like Whole Cake Island when he was beating fucking or not Whole Cake but uh Dressrosa when he was beating like Doflamingo and we got like a five or seven you know, p- chapter, chapter flashback for Doflamingo. Story. Yeah, and it's like, man, D- Kaido's like an even bigger player than fucking Doflamingo was, so you want to assume that we're going to get the same level of um, 
attention paid to Kaido's origin, at least as Doflamingo, especially because Doflamingo was a direct subordinate of Kaido anyway. Maybe he just had more story to tell. I don't want to believe that because Kaido's like a whole Yonko and has had the kind of experiences in this world that you could totally just write a spinoff series for. Like, like yeah. all of these characters could have spinoff series, but Kaido is like a Yonko. Like, he deserves, you know, a good backstory, you know, delivery. You know what I mean? So I want to assume that there's more for him. Someone made a fucking funny joke about how, like, this isn't even his flashback. This is just his life flashing before his eyes. Oh. <laughs> you know, as Luffy, like, defeats him or whatever. And I was like, that's a cool, that's a cool way to think about it, too. But Oh, man, we get even more flashbacks. I would love um, it if we got more Kaido flashbacks. And like I said, I could totally see that scene where, like, the next chapter just goes into more Kaido flashback. Or maybe his whole flashback is just, like, thrown you know, in and out, like, back and forth throughout the rest of this arc for one reason or another, but I definitely don't want his flashback to be over after that. I feel like I'd be super disappointed if this is all we got. Or... Yeah, no, it'd be it'd be rough, but, yeah. like, of this flashback, mm -hmm. I thought it was really effective. It, was really it cool. showed that, like, Kaido is obsessed with war and weapons and manufacture because he had... He's been a soldier since he was 10, if not younger. Yeah, earlier than that, he was the best soldier by the time he was 10. <laughs> so yeah. he's been Man's whooping ass. Child soldier. Yeah, and so it's, it's child like, soldiers. Damn. Yeah, so it's like super deep. And it looks like they're just like, all right, great. Yeah, Kaido, keep being that ultimate soldier that runs amok no, wherever our troops touch down at. And then later they're like... And he's like, nah, fuck that. Like, why do we got to obey the Celestial Dragons anyway? Because it's cool, you know, like we find out about this Vodka Town play or Vodka Kingdom place mm -hmm. and like our country can't stop going to war now. We have to win and loot the enemy to pay our heavenly tribute. So they're constantly in a state of war because they're like the Celestial Dragons, like zealots to like accomplish their goals and get the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the loot and the benefits from wherever they send them. You know what I mean? Like do this in the name of the Celestial Dragon. So naturally some or a lot of these soldiers would probably have a similar outlook as Kaido. Like, why the fuck are we doing this just to appease these celestial dragons that never get their hands dirty anyway? That's, mm -hmm. like, super, like, you know, diametrically opposing to our lifestyle. We do all the fucking hard work. Like, fuck these, these celestial dragon guys. Makes sense that Kaido would be like, fuck all that. And so then, five years later, or however long later, they're like, hey, we're sending you to the Navy. Like, we're, we're you know... And it's like, why should I do that? And it's like, because we don't know what to fucking do with you over here. You're like the strongest dude ever with a completely different philosophy than us. That's like a fucking time bomb for our situation you're, over you're here. Too, you're too belligerent. Yeah, like we got to get you. deal with your ass. Yeah, we got to get you like, out of here before you fuck the money up. You know what I mean? How, like, how are we going to reprimand you when you can just smoke all of us? Yep. Um, and so he fucking and, goes with them. And then escapes back and forth, gets caught and escapes, but gets caught whenever he's hungry so that he can get, you know, like three squares and a cot or whatever. And he's like, hey, man, the prison ship, not a cafeteria. He has 70 million bounty when he was fucking 10 or 15 or 15. some shit. Yeah, yeah he was like, 15 at the time. That's gross. No, it's amazing. This guy, also his face has changed so much time, uh, so much over like, this guy's like 56, mm -hmm. right? I like that. I really like that his face, like, changed over time, really aged. And, like, you know, the distinctiveness of, like, the horns and stuff and, like, the long black hair the, and the, the bagua. Like, great. Love that. I, I really like that. It's just, like, it's nice to see him at various stages that look reasonable for yeah, age. Right. And especially in a series as wacky as One Piece. Right. And it's just like, huh, that's really solid. 
Um, I think it's interesting, like, the on page three, he's like, why does anyone bother to obey these celestial dragons? He's like, the world, the world, the world government will take away our human rights. And he's like, I mean, we're constantly at war. Like, what good are those human rights anyway? Right, exactly. And it's just like, that's a perfect picture of colonialism, right? Like, the places yeah. that have the most war are the ones that are also usually being actively drained by the rest of the global community more often than not. Right. Um, and then he breaks out like, of the... Oh, sorry, yeah. keep going? I mean, I was just thinking about, like, like what I, like what limited knowledge I know about, like, the Middle East or, like, South yeah. Africa or South America where, like, there's all these conflicts, but, like, they're mostly driven by, like, corporations and, like, military pro producers and, mm -hmm. like, military goods producers and stuff. Right. And, like... Like, like how like the U.S. gave weapons to the Taliban for a long time, so that they wouldn't have that sort of like democratic uh, process, despite us doing uh, wars for democracy, yeah. that kind of thing. It's just like, yeah, all right, I see. Yeah, like, all the political mumbo jumbo, like in and out of the sending of troops to like die for like shitty anywhere. reasons. Yeah, anywhere yeah. is just like a very good reason to defect away from your government and it's and it's cool that kaido has the means to do so being as strong as he is so they tried to send him over to the to the to the navy because he was being like you know too volatile or whatever over in his kingdom and then he escapes goes back escapes a couple times before knowledge of that gets around the world and you know whitebeard invites him to the rocks pirates so now he's got you know a, a team of people that are more so aligned with his philosophy and then, you know, Gark and Roger beat their ass, and then now they're disbanded, and he's like, fuck it, now that I'm up, you know what I mean, and I have all this clout, I'm about to just make my own team, and then we're going to stick our philosophy to the man, you know, and, and directly oppose the government, you know, and, and, in a way to kind of, like, get back for all of the bullshit that he kind yeah. of, like, had them go through, and it's like, no, I'm going to make a world, what does he say? He said, we're going to take all these pampered, noble-born rulers... And drag them off their ivory thrones down to the battlefield with us. That's what I call equality and freedom. Come get them hands dirty. You know what I'm saying? You're going to fight the battles mm -hmm. you fucking sent us out to fight for you. Now that I'm on top and I'm coming for you directly. So it all makes sense as far as his motivations on how he got here. I just need a little bit more gaps filled in. In the like fluffier, you know, for the fluff or whatever of, uh, mm -hmm. of the flashback. Because it seems like we have all the major points, you know, from, you know, 10 years old to like where we are now. But, like, there's just so much more story to tell inside of Kaido. It's like, I'm trying to see all the, the nuances and all the little, you know, subtle, like, bits and pieces that made this character who he is. So, uh, I, I really hope we get that eventually. I think this is great because, like, Kaido, it's hard to relate to a character like him sometimes. But, like, seeing this, like, like seeing his, like, growing environment and yeah. then also, like, hey, you know, his anti-government stuff. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I think that the following flashbacks, because like they have moments where like forty six years ago, forty four years ago, I feel like there's gonna be a further countdown. Yeah. And I want there to be because I want to see him lose his way. Right. Right. Because he's like, he's. You can see at the end of this one, the tipping point is a world where only war decides a man's true worth. Right. Yeah. And he's like, that's where he's like getting on the wrong path 
Right, and we've actually seen a little bit of what you're talking about in earlier flashbacks of Kaido in Wano, because, like, this panel on page six, where he's, like, a world where only war decides a a man's true worth, I feel like is before he got to Wano and occupied it, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he's in Wano right now. Either way, this is, like, at, like, the start of his independence, his, like, true independence as a pirate and a Yonko, I want to say. So then he comes to occupy Wano and we get all of the Odin storytelling that we've kind of already gotten in flashbacks earlier in the arc. And that's where we got all of his pathos, you know what I mean? All of the relatability inside of like how he wants to do things honorably according to his will, but he got but he had like shysty homeboys like Orochi and the shapeshifter that had Bonclay's yeah. devil fruit that like, you know, distracted Odin and like made him defeat him in a way that wasn't honorable, that stuck with him all that time like that's relatable stuff like that's good pathos that we have for mm-hmm. kaido but we still just need more gaps filled in because it just isn't his whole story and he's one of the more interesting backstories in the last while that we've all been wanting to see so yes i want to see where he stops viewing um like he's talking about like wars what va- where a man's worth is measured mm-hmm. but like I want to know, because, like, he, because, like, when he was young, he's like, why are we fighting? Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to see the point where he is influenced by, like, this witch or, like, the people around him and, like, forgets who's in the war that's, that, like, the way of life in the warlike world that he's creating. Like, who are the targets? Who is the enemy it stopped being the government and it's like who is it why is it these people yeah why are why are you waging this way of life on these people like that's what i want to know yeah i want to know that too also what's up with this witch like i remember she was there to like lead orochi down the dark path and she's doing a very similar thing with kaido talking about like humans are animals might makes right um yeah i'm pretty sure kaido killed this chick for uh for distracting odin during their fight i can't remember but i i remember like when we were getting the flashback where odin was had just slashed kaido in the chest and was going to go deliver some more damage and then all of a sudden he was like haha momonosuke and he's like huh and then fucking kaido smashes him with the bagua and he's like what the fuck you know what I mean? And he fucking outright killed the CP0 member who did the same thing mm-hmm. that when he interrupted, you know, Luffy and his fight. So I want to yeah. assume that he killed this chick after distracting him with Odin. Um, because one, like, Bonclay has her ability now, so we know that she died and the ability regrew in another fruit and Bonclay ate it. So he oh, had to yeah. have died. So I think we can safely assume that Kaido killed her. I don't remember the exact moment when that happened in the story, but it's a safe assumption to make, I want to say. But I don't remember uh, um, why she was there in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I, she was kind of like a elusive, mysterious, like, malevolent force. Especially with, like, that, like, she's got that Junji Ito cursed headband where, like, the two candles and the headband with, like, yep. the nail and, and stuff. It's like, I was yep. like, all right, what's your deal? You yeah, yeah, for bitch. sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, the other C- CP0 dude's like, all right, I'm out of here. This motherfucker's about to go down. It's time to go report back to uh, my people about what happened or something or whatever. My and boss then... got killed. I'm out of here. Oh, before we even go into that, I really like this last interaction between uh, King and Kaido because you definitely want to leave a flashback like this, like, on a note like this between the the captain and the right hand. I like that. 
um, device used going back into the, the present time because like that's what it comes down to it's like these are the oh, two yeah. that are like you know representing you know kaido's philosophy the most so you definitely want to end it on that note just to like reestablish that connection that they have um but he's like i wonder where that kid heard it yamato dropped joy boy's name apparently odin's desire to open the country is meant to welcome joy boy if he's the same as the man you're waiting for king then i think i know who he is and then it goes back again as he's getting fucking punched down through mm-hmm. onigashima and he finishes the thought. It's like, King, I think I know who Joy Boy is. Who is he? He's the man who shows up to beat me in the future. And like, that's just a really cool thing to say. But then King goes, in that case, I suppose we'll never meet him because you're unbeatable. And it just like reinforces, you know, King's faith, you know, in in Kaido and their mm-hmm. relationship as captain and right hands. You know what I mean? Like so, true like, admiration. Yeah, like that's just a cool like vibe to get inside of a pirate crew, even though it's quick and subtle. It just has so much impact inside of their relationship and their dynamic as uh, you know, captain and first mate. So I loved that there too. It's it's like a soft thing. Like it's a soft thing bordering on arrogance, mm-hmm. and I love that, especially out of villains. Like I like the kind of like gentle arrogance you know because like yes. if you're loud and abrasive and you're like i'm the best odds are you're like the weakest motherfucker there right like <laughs> arrogance is cool or whatever but arrogance that serves multiple purposes is always going to slap yeah, harder especially yeah. when one of them is like you know a wholesome angle to it you know what i mean that just makes yeah. you appreciate the characters involved more at least at least for me yeah i really liked on like 12 13 like that center thing where like luffy's like a world and he's like smashing down on kaido there's like the flame armor around him and then like you go zoom through to like 16 and you can see the outline of his giant (laughs) yeah flame armor i'm like he knocked a man out of his own flame armor. Oh, I thought <laughs> like, I thought he was punching him down into Onigashima, and that was the hole left over from Kaido passing through the structure. Ooh. I thought he punched him so hard that in his coiled state, he hit Onigashima hard enough to just completely go through it in the exact same shape that he ran into it as. Ooh, <laughs> I have no idea yeah, me which neither. one's which. Yeah, me neither, but now both that you bring are that really up. Good. Yeah. I like both. Oh, he definitely does not have the molten magma Susano anymore after that panel, no. though. So you could be right too. But um, <laughs> yeah, I just originally pictured it as like a Looney Tunes ass, like, like you know, crater, yeah. punch you through a fucking wall, and now the wall is like the exact shape of your body and shit. Like, <laughs> I saw it like that. Oh but. man, no, I totally see that, especially with all like the Toontown stuff that he's been pulling re- recently too. Right? Yeah, you um, never know. But, like, slapping a man so hard he gets flung out of his Susano, like, that's, ooh, yes. that's, that's hurt. That's that always hard. Mark. Yeah, I mean, that at um, least happened, absolutely. We know that happened. I just don't know if the drawing on 16 is a representation of it. Yeah. Yeah, but, Whew. yeah, good shit, though. So, yeah, Kaido's out of here. We got more image, you know, we got more uh, panels of the lanterns with the prayers on them. Beat the scary dragon man. It's just like, oh, it happened. It happened, young boy or girl. Like, your dream Ding. came true. And this motherfucker is out of here. Back. Yeah, what'd you say? Oh, uh, man. Oh, I'm just reading the lanterns now. Oh, bring the Kozuki uh, clan back. Yeah, all that shit's happening. Your dreams have come true. It feels amazing. Making my dreams come true. Yes. Except for seeing your parents, kids. Sorry, page 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> oh, wait, page 15? 
Page 15 is like, I want to see mommy. And I'm just oh, like, probably no. not this series, bro. My yeah. bad. If mommy's not there to the point where you have to write this on your lantern, like, she probably ain't coming back. Luffy can't, Luffy can't do that one. Law is only one man. Unless the mom uh, is a prisoner. In, and working. In, in, the, in the mines or whatever. Then you oh. could probably see mommy again. Yeah. Hey, optimistic yeah. choices. Right, right, right. Um, man, I really liked... I really like this. Yeah. There's interesting, like, the kind of chaotic parts of, like, cutting to, like, everybody. I'm glad that, like, Law's okay. Scratchman, a poo's still alive. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, like, the It's Bear one piece, man. man. Everybody's alive. <laughs> from the Kid Pirates is, is still kicking. Beppo. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, yeah, Beppo. Um, and I like that Momo managed at the last second to, like, manifest the clouds and, like, get Onigashima and, like, gently set it. Yep. It looks like, and, like, um, it looks like when the flames come out, I don't know if it's just the perspective on the spread, but, um, on 12 and 13, yeah, because, like, come forth flame clouds, the flames shoot out, Mo, uh, Yamato's like, holy shit, Momonosuke's like, holy shit, and then the, um... You see the flame cloud around Onigashima, and you see yeah. Momo on the right side of it, and then you have, yeah. like, action lines that are, like, coming from the left side of the panel, implying, like, motion towards the right side of the panel, as if, like, Momonosuke is, like, dragging it, like, forward uh, at a high speed, almost. It says swoop and shit. So, like, yeah. he, like, ran up, wrapped the cloud around it, and is now, like, pulling it, like, you know, away like from... Yeah, or something. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, does that mean that... Luffy didn't punch Kaido through Onigashima? Oh. No, he just punched him straight down to the ground. So wait, I think you're totally right. I think that that white outline on 16... That one on the board? But yeah, I think that white outline on 16 is just him punching Kaido out of his Susano. then. I think that might be confirmation for it, because it looks like... It looks like Momonosuke got... And yeah. <laughs> it looks like Momonosuke got Onigashima out of the way of the of the... Hey, of the punch and, the, and, and Kaido's trajectory, yeah. He Which is might be cool. buried in the ground regardless. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on, he punches him. Like, oh, yeah, he already see. hit the ground. Okay, 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 okay. So he punches him on 15. He's flying. He explodes onto the ground. I want to see Mommy on the lantern. And then the next fucking panel is you know the indent of his body hitting the ground he got cratered yeah so he's still I, I okay so i, I still think that this is just an, an outline of his body running into something um oh, and, and going through it but like what okay. is he so like what does he land on then wait a minute so did he did he go through onigashima then because wait is cause this he, water no because he's clearly like laying on the ground no, in the last the page Momo. Cause that's Momo. Like. Oh, you're totally right. So you're did totally Kaido right. Get knocked into the ocean and to drown. Oh shit! Oh, oh my god! Shit. I think. Did Kaido... he punch him straight down into water? Hold on. Did Luffy finally kill a man? Oh shit! Or at least you know, use an attack that would have killed him, but maybe like someone comes and grabs his body and but prevents like, him from drowning, or like, maybe Kaido devil... can't drown. Yeah. But devil fruit users can't swim. That's right. That's right. But then you have so like, like you have devil fruit is users this like murder or is this like the the whole Batman Arkham Asylum thing? It's like 
I didn't kill him. His internal bleeding did. Right. Like... Well, okay. So you have um, you have fucking Jack who ran up on Zoe and attacked everybody in Zoe, and then Zunisha fucking like backhanded him and all of their troops into the water, and then King or I mean Jack just kind of like sat down there, like not able to swim, but not able to drown either because he's like half fish man or some shit. So he has gills and can just breathe underwater despite not being able to swim. So then he eventually got swooped up by other non-Devil Fruit users and saved and then brought back to, to Wano or whatever. So maybe it's a similar situation with Kaido, where Kaido is half fish man or some shit and can't drown, because otherwise why wouldn't he just jump in the water to kill himself all those times that he was trying? Because that's how his character was introduced. Like, he's been jumping off of a sky island trying to kill himself for who knows how long. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you just jump in the water unless you just couldn't drown and you knew that? So, like, either way, though, whether Kaido can breathe underwater or not, Luffy doesn't know that and still punched him straight down into water anyway. So, you know, he's still willing to murder or at least deal damage that he knows a Devil Fruit user should not be able to withstand, whether he gets saved or not. Like, Luffy still was on fuck it mode, you know what I'm saying? Which is just, like, crazy to think about. But I don't think Luffy's ever, like, specifically said, like, I don't want to kill anyone. He just, like, Nika doesn't. Nika just pulled a Nike. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, he just, that. like, Luffy kind of just doesn't kill people, even though he hasn't, like, outward. I, at least I don't remember a time where he outwardly said, like, we're not killers. We're not trying to kill nobody. Like, yeah, I, feel like, like I feel like he's, like, utilitarian in that way. Like, if I got it, if you got to like, go, you got to go. He's the Team Rocket thing where he punches them so hard and they become, like, a little glittering star in the background, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, he's. I, I feel like that's one of the things, like, Luffy doesn't really kill. He yeah. beats the pants off people. Yeah, who knows if they'll like, survive, but he's yeah. not, like, actually trying to kill nobody, probably. I'm not here for the coup de grace. Yeah. I'm just here for the fight to be over. Right, right. You know. Type shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I oh um, yeah. So like Luffy is like Nika. Luffy is seems like cooked, but at the same time, there's the festival going background and like the little music notes for the tromp tromp tromp. Yeah. And part of me remembers um, like the Nika warrior like dancing around a fire and all that mm. stuff. So I wonder if like the festival fun energy is going to like help revive him Ooh, it could be something like that it could be like we could also um oda could give us like a direct panel parallel to uh i think yes. it was um i don't remember what arc it's in but it's the it's the it's the single page like splash double page spread where like there's the... a yeah yeah and he's got like the silhouette outline you know what i mean thing, yeah you know? like yeah like above the fire or whatever that mm -hmm. people have been bringing up since the nika stuff kind of came back and then, you know, we got the, the the small drawing of, like, you know, Silhouette Nika or whatever earlier in the arc that people were using as a parallel to that Jaya panel or whatever. But, like, now I think that Oda might just straight up give us the Luffy as Nico, you know, equivalent panel from Jaya in Wano now that the fight is over. Like, we'll probably see him, like, oh. at the festival jumping over another fire or something like that, like, actually as Nika this time in a new silhouette drawing. I think that would be dope. But now if that this... It, oh, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Since he's unconscious, what if they find him splayed on the ground just in that kind of pose? Oh, shit. <laughs> and then they're like... And then after he's, like, healed and recuperated, he can, like, do the little dance around the fire or something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like Oh, like, like that. a barbecue. He's like, Kaido's gone. Let's throw a feast. Yeah, Woo! yeah. They're definitely about to turn up, but, like, maybe not, though, because it's, like, the world... Uh, the Navy 
has been talking about mobilizing troops towards Wano. We never know who could pull up now that the Luffy versus Kaido conflict is over. You definitely True. have like some Sun Tzu art of war shit going on here where it's like, you know, enemy of my enemy is my friend. Let them duke it out. And then when either side wins, the other side will be so tired because of the, the extreme difficulty. We can come in and, you know, yeah, wipe the rest of the of the survivors out got very common war tactic whenever there's multiple factions involved so you never know who could pull up to this situation revolutionaries other random pirate crews straw hat grand fleet navy a lot of things are on the table i don't know how much sense it makes for everyone that i just listed um to pull up but like at least the navy is planning on doing something here you know what oh, i mean so zunisha oh yeah, uh, yeah we that, got zunisha uh, and shit ketchup yeah <laughs> we got like we still got like a lot more like crazy shit that's going to happen even with the defeat of kaido so like i'm that's what i've been waiting to get to i already knew that kaido was going to get his ass beat by the end of the arc king and queen were going to get beat by zoro and sanji like we already knew all these things it was up in the air for a little bit because of the chaos of the war constantly shuffling people around the battlefield and causing different matchups but at the end of the day we had like it in the back of our head like this is how the conflict resolution is going to go sanji beats queen zoro beats king luffy beats kaido that's for sure the uncertainty comes from what happens afterwards when we have all of these other you know factions in play and and, yeah. and players on the chessboard so it's boiled down to this point. Yeah. Um, sorry, Zoro kills Kaido gang. <laughs> I never, like, that just never made, like, any, any sense to me. It was, like, a cool thing to think about, like, when they were bringing up all the parallels to Ryuma and, like, all of this stuff and, like, monster and Jeez, shit. It was there. fun, but, like, it never actually made sense, you know? But, yeah. I'm glad that I was never on either side of that um, agenda war because that shit is very uh, silly. I wasn't. Yeah, I don't think I was even on Twitter. Yeah, that at shit that is. point, <laughs> you're like, hey. That shit is ridiculous. No, get a Twitter, and I'm like, all right. I'm like, what's this? Yeah. Oh, it's already over. Cool. Yeah. I don't need to deal with this. Awesome. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Good I think chapter. that's all. Yeah, great chapter. Can't wait for the next one, of course. But I think that that's all I had. I think we're on break next week anyway. But um, yeah, that's all I had for One Piece this week. I think. You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Thank you all so much for watching. If you did, we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let us know down in the comments section where you can also let us know anything that we missed, anything that you want to add, any kind of conversation that you want to have will be continued in the comments section throughout the rest of the week. While you're down there, check our description section for links to follow us on any of our individual social media accounts like Twitter. Join our ever-growing Discord community. Listen to the Project Manga Podcast wherever you normally listen to your podcasts and slap a like on the video. And subscribe if you're new here because again we upload every single week the conversations are always big and they're always about your favorite manga so stay a while okay but uh oh yeah check out our patreon too if you want to support what we do directly because we got things like even more series early access to content and other podcasts where we review other manga from different magazines including weekly shonen jump jump plus and weekly shonen magazine but with all that said I think that'll do it for this episode of the Project Manga Podcast. Wrapping up, I'm Knox. I'm Bella Yenis. We'll catch y'all next time.